Howdy folks, this is Patch coming to you before the show. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the situation with the uh, ongoing SAG-AFTRA strike. As some of y'all may be aware, on the 25th of July, three days ago as of this recording, the SAG-AFTRA put out new guidelines indicating that rewatch podcasts are considered crossing the strike line. And as a result, many rewatch podcasts have been uh, putting themselves on hiatus out of solidarity. Now, we weren't sure what to do with that, but we reached out to SAG-AFTRA and got a very quick response. Infinity Train is not struck currently, so we are going to continue with our show for the time being, especially given that part of the reason we watch podcasts are considered crossing a line is because they drive traffic to the platforms, and since Infinity Train is not currently available, we felt safe in continuing. So, we are going to keep going with our standard show. Uh, counting the episode you're about to listen to, there are ten more episodes of Infinity Train. The real issue is what happens afterwards, because the shows we were talking about watching next, we're not super sure if they're struck or not yet. We're still working on that. So we're working behind the scenes to figure something out, and we are going to see what we can do to make sure that y'all still get a healthy dose of weirdos as much as possible. In the meantime, we strongly would like you to suggest uh, donating to the Entertainment Community Fund. This is a fund that is designed to keep actors safe, healthy, pay for their food, um, rent, while, uh, you know, billionaires refuse to compromise. They've been stealing a whole lot of money from their workers, and, you know, if you can help out just a little bit, it's... (laughs) I think everyone would appreciate that. So, for the moment, we're going to keep going. Uh, the Axe Files will not be affected by this, of course, because the Animorphs books are not struck material. And uh, we'll see where it goes. So, uh, I think at this point, there's not much left for me to say. But remember, us weirdos have to strike together. Welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the podcast car. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? I'm doing okay, but I still feel like uh, these Apex kids might be the new most wanted criminals on this car. <laughs> Release the screen, <laughs> as well. I mean, Lake's not on it anymore, and there's uh, seemingly no other cops, because uh, the two that were around uh, got fucking got by her. <laughs> Well, as we well, all know, people who are that. wanted by fascistic systems are rarely the fascists. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, to be fair, uh, Lake didn't kill both. Lake only killed one. They basically directed another person to wipe out the other. Yeah. Which, uh, oh boy, uh, I feel like we're going to get even more of that kind of stuff going on in this season with how even just a few of these episodes have gone. Oh, you think? I can't imagine. That would be so weird. Yeah, it's not like I just happened to casually also read at one point that they were like, oh yeah, Infinity Train Season 3 is when things get dark. (laughs) 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 As though they weren't kind Uh, of really existentially horrifying with uh, Lake's whole ordeal before. And also just in general with the train being a fucking nightmare regardless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, uh, we'll get there in a bit. Because uh, I know we both went and saw Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. It's a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess most of the people that were in the theater with me that saw it didn't realize or had heard that like two years ago that they said, "Yeah, we decided to make this a part one because like when it ended on that cliffhanger, they were like, what? Fuck that!'" And it's like me being like being like. I thought that was common knowledge. And <laughs> this is a part one. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's. I feel like I shouldn't have liked it, and yet I did. So. Yeah, like I mean, like there was there was so much that happened in that that it's like I don't know how you would have potentially like, you know, reduced that while still gotten like the same level of quality and attention and. Just in general, like the overall story, like I don't know how you would have done that. Plus, whatever's going to happen in Beyond the Spider Verse in just one film is the thing. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing, right? Because it's like you say a lot of things happened, but on a narrative level, I kind of disagree. This is why I say I shouldn't have liked it. It's like two yeah, hours I, of I mean, setup yeah, with like, no resolution. I mean, it is kind of just like you know, it, compared to like the first film, where it's like you know, you get like superhero stuff pretty quickly like once Miles meets the original Spider-Man in his universe and then you know spoilers for that first movie but that Spider-Man dies and all and then it's like okay well there's occasionally other fights with like being chased by the Prowler and like the Spider-Gang versus like uh, Kingpin's guys at uh, Aunt May's house and stuff and then the actual like full-on final stuff but it's like there's still like action sequences that happen there's at least like two pretty specific ones in this movie Listen, I'm not saying that there's not action sequences. That's mm-hmm. not the issue. The issue is, like, from a narrative level, this movie is all exposition and build-up. Yeah. There's one scene that's not that, and the rest of the movie is just building. And so, on that narrative level, understanding that, I should not like this movie, and yet they made it happen. I don't know how that... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to the quality of the writers that are making the Spider-Verse <laughs> films, I think. Because, uh, again, like, that first movie was, like the best Spider-Man thing, like, ever, really. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean, people people still like the, like, the, like, the first two, like, Tobey Maguire movies, but yeah, they, they're still good. It's been a while since I've seen them, but to my recollection, like, people still agree that those are good movies. But it's like... I mean, I could, for a very I, long time, people have said that Spider-Man 2, 2005, is the best superhero movie of all time. Yeah, so. it, I mean, that was a great movie. That's where we got the tr- the whole Peter Parker stopping the train thing that has been spoofed in, like, so many other Spider-Man things since. <laughs> <laughs> that they straight up have that happen in, like, that, fr- that uh, 2018 game. And he, he fucked it up a bit because he's like, oh, right, shit, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, yeah. it's... It's just funny that they were like, yeah, for a long time there, like, I mean, I watched only the first of the Amazing Spider-Man films, and, like, at the time I was like, yeah, it's alright. But it didn't have, like, the same appeal, I think, as the Tobey Maguire, you know, first two, at least. To be fair, I've only ever actually seen Spider-Man 3 one time in theaters, because, uh, ain't great. Oh, well, that's a mistake. <laughs> uh, it just wasn't as interesting, I think. You gotta see Spider-Man 3 at home at least once, where you have control over the brightness, so you can turn it up and actually see Venom, and not just, like, a blob on the screen. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, no, I, I still feel like that movie probably had... It's weird to say that that movie had a bit too much bloat with, like, too many supervillains, considering that there's, like, what, like, 200 spider people in Across the Spider-Verse, and yet it doesn't feel like it as much. 
Well, yeah, but they're not characters. Is the thing. Yeah, like, I mean, aside from a handful of them, like Jessica Drew and Miguel, obviously, it's like, yeah, the other ones are just background characters. They're jokes like the Peter Parked Car joke, which is really funny, <laughs> and it shouldn't have. <laughs> Honestly, like... It's arguable that Jessica is barely a character in this movie. Yeah, she doesn't get to do a whole lot, really. Like She, she gets... has, what, 15, 20 lines total? Yeah, like she has her like action sequence at the start with Gwen and Miguel, but then like past that, she's mostly just kind of there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's clearly the, like, uh, you know, the Miles, Gwen, and Miguel story, because like, even Peter B. doesn't get to do a whole lot. But also, to be fair, he only shows up, like, what, an hour and... T- 20-something minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also he's like, well, I, I've got Mayday with me. I can't really do a whole lot as much because I don't want to put her in danger. <laughs> Which that I, bothered me. I'm not going to lie. I See, I did see that the reason people said that he has Mayday with him is because, well, MJ probably has a job and they really can't leave a super-powered baby with a babysitter because they would no, immediately figure... Okay. Yeah, that's not the issue. That wasn't Mayday. That was Annie. That's the other Spider-Man's kid. <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah, right. I did, I did hear that people are like, wait a sec, this continuity doesn't work out in the sense of that because, like, yeah, like in people, like, I mean, because Mayday is like a different Spider-Man's kid, but they just made it the mm-hmm. Peter B's in this. Well, not, okay, so listen. So Peter Parker and Mary Jane classic in the eighties. She got pregnant and was going to have a kid, and then miscarried. It was kind of a huge thing at the time. Oh yeah, I, I remember like seeing a comic recently that was like, uh, like they that kid like actually survived in a different universe and like Peter and right. Mary yes. Jane Peter or something. That's the uh, MCU two universe, which was a thing in the early two thousands, and that's Mayday is who that is. But uh, in more recent years, Spider Man, this is another alternate universe. Spider Man had a different kid who's named Annie May, and that's who that baby is, even though they use Mayday's name. And it's, they, they just... Right, it's, it's, like, the, right. it's, like, the, it's, it's like an amalgam of them. And meanwhile, I think I, did, I think I had read that, like, Annie May and, like, her daughter are actually other spider people in the background of a scene in uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Like, alternate... Uh, yeah, 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 sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, multiverse superhero stuff. The more you think about it, the less it makes sense, I think. <laughs> Just how it always kind of goes in some regard. Because like also other people are like, oh, Miguel as he was in like the Stinger and the Into the Spider-Verse wasn't Miguel because he's jokey and everything. And then it's like they go and retcon that a little bit because he's actually his normal dour self in, across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> but it's like they wanted to actually have that joke because of course you have to have Spider-Man point in at, at himself. <laughs> It's, yeah, I didn't love that they went back to it, if I'm honest. Yeah, it, it it was like one of those kind of jokes that it's like, it's a little silly, but it's like, I don't know, Like they also didn't need to do the, yeah, I think it's a Banksy joke again, because that was funnier in the first time around, and it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, just a <sighs> good movie, though. I, 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 I've been scouring the internet trying to find that picture of Gwen's dad that you said because that he has the trans patch on him. You know, that's more evidence that, admit that uh, Gwen mm-hmm. is trans, but I haven't been able to find it yet. Oh, well, yeah. I guess it's not a thing people would screenshot because it is very much just like a shot of the jacket laying there by itself near the beginning of the movie. Uh, okay, yeah, because I mean, everybody's seen the, uh, the Protect Trans 
kids flag in her room from the previous green tags, yeah. but like I haven't even seen anybody well, I mean, recently talking about it. We didn't know it was her bedroom until this point, but yes. Ah, true. <laughs> yeah. It could have just been some random room. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I mean, like her outfit's colors are pink, blue, and white. I mean, so yeah, just, yeah. Like, <laughs> There's so many times during that scene if we're talking to her dad later on in the film, spoilers, I guess, for the star movie, if we're talking about it just a few days after release, where it's like, there's a, just straight up a part where, like, the whole color scheme behind her is pink, white, and blue. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> this is advanced bisexual lighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, would, it would be fun if they actually do confirm it in films or even out of the films but it's like i, I kind of feel like they've seen it enough that they would i don't know they probably see where the winds are going and they would probably just be like yeah it's enough for us to be like have it there for the people who recognize and be like yeah you know if you know but not say it outright in the movie because they know they're gonna get a bunch of shit not that you know yeah, that is usually how that goes yeah. with marvel not not that uh you know enough people would like who actually would be that shit would uh be at all like, closely examining the fact that they're watching a spider-man movie where the main character is black anyway because <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't really think about that in terms of you know these assholes being shits towards everybody in yeah, particular yeah yeah, no, it's uh, <sighs> it's it's fun. I like that it focuses a lot on Gwen in particular because she was kind of more like, kind she wasn't like side character in the first, but she was definitely a little bit more so than Peter B. And I like that it's kind of. I mean, they were in. all side characters in the first one. I, I mean, yeah. The first one was just Miles and Peter B.'s movie. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like Peter B. basically gets pushed off to the side a little bit for give Gwen more time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's definitely a thing we did. Was was that the other the only thing you did, or I, I mean, mostly like uh, I mean, I had another interview this week. I had that. Well, that was uh, the part two interview, basically, with the one that I had done the phone interview with the previous week. So I had that on Tuesday, and then I ended up going out to uh, a mountain park that afternoon because I was like, I gotta get out of my apartment because it's been like two weeks since I really went anywhere. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because, uh, well, it turns out uh, when you decide to climb up a really tall mountain to go towards the, like the landmark uh, house on top of it, just two days after you do your uh, weekly estrogen injection, uh, it turns out your leg does not agree with you much. <laughs> I was sore for like two days. Really enough, kind of more centered on my like the butt area of my thigh <laughs> on that side, yeah, yeah. more than anything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it was also like I was only there for maybe like an hour twenty minutes too. It wasn't like terribly long, but it's also like you know it was like maybe like forty minutes to get to the well, I guess close to like maybe a half hour to get to the top, and then like twenty minutes there taking like looking around taking photos and stuff before going back down. This is a very, it was a very sense, steep yeah. hill both ways. Because even going down, it was like ah, I need to be careful about this because I can easily slip and fall. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, that would be unfun for everyone. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, especially also because like the top part where like they had like the cliff face and everything. There's no barriers of any sort. <laughs> you could easily you know, do some terrible stuff if you decided to. <sighs> I tell you, I fell off a mountain once. No, you have not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I definitely did, and it was rad. Um, 
Uh, uh, no, I mean, it was just a hiking trip, like a weekend hiking trip with some friends, mm-hmm. and we were going up the side of this, um, it's it's not a proper mountain, it was more of a, it's a Texas mountain, and if you don't know the difference, you haven't been to Texas. Uh, Texas mountains are annoying hills. Um, <laughs> well, we were just going up one of the slope sides, and I slipped, and this thing was so... Well, not sheer exactly, but it was sloped enough that I couldn't stop. I was just sliding down all the way. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of horrifying because I was staring down the face of a, like an 800-foot drop. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys I was with literally slide-tackled me out of the way into some other rocks where I was able to catch. <laughs> how, how, like, if you weren't stopping that guy, how far down would you think you would have been going? Uh, very. Like, it was a slide. I had no way of stopping my momentum, so I would have been off that mountain (laughs) real fast. (laughs) No thanks. Uh, But the outdoors is fun. When it's not that to to kill you, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, speaking of people that are out to kill you, uh, this week I learned oh, that 3028 LLE Lane, Houston, Texas 77019 is Ted Cruz's home address. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, that went in a slightly different way than I was direct- expecting when you said speaking of people out to kill you, but uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> hey, what can I say? It's a public service. It is, considering that he is an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like a... Uh... Yeah, aside from that, I've not really done a whole lot. Like, obviously, like, my main friend group and I did our D&D group uh, session yesterday, which still just mm-hmm. makes me laugh at all the nat 20 we rolled, and also the fact that I just got so bad <laughs> rolls for all those, like, various, like, saving throws against all the terrible stuff in the Morelands <laughs> in that <laughs> run setting, because it's like, yeah, everybody else making all those, like, uh, wisdom saves and con saves and everything, and meanwhile I'm just, like, I'm literally just having my eardrum structure by a thunderstorm that when the thunder clapped, it causes darkness instead of a bright light, because the Morlands are fucked. <laughs> or, like, being like, yeah, we make a rope bridge to go across this asses river. Oh, we all need to make athletic checks at disadvantage. Oh, boy, that's a d20 minus one for me. I have advantage, at least. You know, it, it was an eight instead of a five. <laughs> <laughs> which was at least something because the GM was like yeah it was a DC 10 check if you failed by half you were going to lose some of your provisions so it's like well I'd rather take 6 acid damage I guess than also take that and lose some of my shit but huh. yeah uh, it was very funny that we were like making uh, some Oregon Trail jokes there I was like oh yeah we almost lost Farron <laughs> down, uh, you know we forded the river and uh, we lose uh, 2 oxen one of them being Farron I guess <laughs> we but yeah, no, I, my character did not die. I'm fine. <laughs> just, it was just amusing that it's like, but even the first roll of the game when we were like, oh, we'll make a persuasion check to see about if this like uh, guy who runs the Gold Dragon Inn uh, has like any leaks on like uh, official guides that go into the Morrowinds, and I got not twenty immediately. <laughs> and it's like, well, I rolled a seven on uh, that physical d twenty I rolled for like the first. Uh, you know, good good omen and everything for uh, trans, uh, you know, right, right for Pride Month and everything. So I was like, oh, I was expecting bad rolls, and then I got that, and it led me into a false insecurity because all those uh, saving throws were bad afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's entertaining stuff. But yeah, no, it's like I'm still mostly looking just for jobs and stuff. I have another, uh, well, video call interview at least on Wednesday for another job. 
Still just trying to find something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you're getting you're getting emails. And that's that's what matters, yeah, right? Yeah, like I'm I... I'm getting email responses and text messages and stuff, so I'm at least getting in the process of having a job again. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah, I still feel bad <laughs> about the situation you're going back into in a few weeks. It's a boy. Yeah, um, it's fine, I guess. Like, it's bad. I'm not going to pretend it's not bad, but it's relatively fine, I guess. Have you and your partner, like, discussed any more about moving to a different state? Since you mentioned that you had brought it up at one point? Yeah, it's kind of gone back and forth. Like... I think ultimately they have decided that they want to stay in Texas, which I certainly respect, but it's just not a thing that's going to work for me right now. So, yeah. Honestly, I don't know if it's a thing that's going to work for me ever. I really don't want to be in Texas just because it's terrible for my allergies and the weather is worse. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, the obvious of the state wants you dead because it's run by a shitty Republican asshole. Well, even that, like, the state itself isn't the issue. I mean, we have it on the record that, as per the last election, they suppressed 2.5 million Democratic votes. Yeah, also that. They just fully admitted to, like, yeah, we fuck around with it, and Biden definitely would have won Texas, and so would have, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the them that ran in there. That's how Beto. Yeah, Beto. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. So you're just admitting fully with your whole ass out there that you fucking messed around with stuff and stole the elections on your own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, point being, Texas, the state, doesn't want people dead. It's just, you know, specific people. Yeah. People like, uh, the very vocal. Juan DeSantis, the very... who lives at 700 North Adams Street, Tallahassee, Florida, 32301. <laughs> Yeah, the very vocal minority of dickheads who want people dead. <laughs> Compared to like the like recent study I think I read where it's like something like seventy six percent of people support trans rights and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like, oh cool, yeah, why is it that these uh, assholes are the ones that get to throw everybody else under the bus just because they're like twenty percent of the population? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Well, I mean, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the stuff I follow, but, like, this whole book ban thing, uh -huh. uh, removing books from libraries, that's 11 people. Yep, yep. 11 I mean, people yep, across I saw that the too. entire country. Uh -huh. and also, speaking of things that are widely unpopular, banning books, just like killing trans people. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Happy Pride! Yay! I'm throw bricks at those addresses that I just said. Yeah, Happy Pride, even though I'm pretty sure this episode is probably going to release after Pride is over. <laughs> yep. Actually, crap. Yeah. Now I have to reinsert this segment from <laughs> earlier episodes so people know where to throw their bricks. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because like uh, we just put out the first uh, of the five episodes out of the entirety of book two, like last week. So, yeah, this won't <laughs> release till July. <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy, oh, no. happy, happy ref month, everybody! <laughs> Go throw bricks through uh, Greg Abbott and Ronda Santos's windows. <laughs> the 
thing about Ron DeSantis is that he used to own his own home, but he actually sold it. He just lives in the Florida governor's mansion now. And normally, Florida governors will maintain their own house outside of the governor's mansion because, you know, they have to stop living there eventually. But he doesn't. He just sold his other house. So he, I think he thinks he's going to be in there for a long time. Mm. Let's, let's prove him wrong next year, maybe. Maybe we can finally boot some of these fuckers out. Let's prove him wrong with a Molotov cocktail, and then he won't be living there. <laughs> there you go. I'm in, sorry. In no, Minecraft. don't do that. That's like... That's like a crime, so I'm not going to tell you to do that, but if you want to, let your conscience be your guide. He tried to make a bomb at your job, I'll just find out. <laughs> Trying to make a bomb at my job for the purposes of comedy videos is not the same as telling people to bomb a governor's mansion. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's still a bomb, <laughs> one way or another. I don't know why you're so obsessed with it. Like, it's not even a real bomb. It was a firework. <laughs> you you called it a bomb at the time. <laughs> yeah, and I also told you that it wasn't really a bomb at the time. It was just a shorthand word. <laughs> Listen, you want me to build a bomb, I'll build a bomb. But that wasn't it. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> it won't go well, I assure you. I don't have a sterile environment. <laughs> happy Pride at the moment, Happy Wrath at the moment this episode releases. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And remember, the Anarchist's cookbook includes a recipe for napalm. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> See, there it is again. <laughs> Sorry? There, I said there it is again. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's a factual statement about a thing that's included in a book that you can buy. Uh-huh. <laughs> what's, what's the problem? I guess there's none. There you go, see? Um, <laughs> speaking of no problems, no problems at all, would you like to get into today's episodes? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. I, it's no, weird that I kind of feel like there's really not as much going on in these two, which is strange to think about for the first two episodes of a new yeah. book with new protagonists. Well, I mean, at least part of it is because we already know all this stuff, right? Yeah, I think I, I feel like that's the thing, because it's like, I mean, even though, like, obviously we knew who Lake was back when they became the protagonist of book two, it's like, they were still like, oh, we hadn't actually, like, really met up with them after they got out of the chrome car, so it's like, oh, how are they doing with, like, evading the police? Oh, okay, they actually have thought about stuff and are using spray paint to keep reflective surfaces away, and then, like you know, meets up with Jesse, and then the story mostly even doesn't really focus on either of them for that first step, that second episode, because it's just them chasing after Alan Dracula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to, like, now, where it's like, we, we've only known Grace and Simon really for, like, one full episode. Grace for, like, a handful of minutes in the previous one before she got properly introduced, but it's like, we already knew these people suck. We already knew their little cult fucking sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true, but more to the point, we know what and how they do it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we already have seen we saw them whole... raid a car. Yeah, we, see... we we know what the gimmick is. Yeah, well, we saw them raid two cars because they raided the, the the carnival that the cat was running and also the like the cube room or whatever, the cube car. Yeah. So it's like, we know how they operate. We know their shits. We know they don't see denizens as people. Exactly. Yeah, we got all of that already. So at the mm -hmm. very least, this first episode is honest, just like a lot of recap. Yeah. So 
And even then, after that, it's mostly just meeting, uh, presumably, I guess, the sidekick characters for the season. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes. Um, The episode that I'm covering today is Book 3, Episode 1, The Musical Car. Which they're in for, like, almost a minute. (laughs) Well, yeah, but, but, like, it's going for four minutes. The song is so okay. Still, <laughs> it's it's a, it's been amusing when in these uh, two last two books overall that they're basically like being like, oh, this one's named after this, even though they don't spend the entire episode in it. <laughs> well, sure, you can't spend your whole episode in a car. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that was most of Tulip's season. <laughs> Prefer in one car, or like she would be finishing up in one car at the very start, then move on to the next one. That was the actual focal point. Well, yes, but that was the establishing bit season. Like, we had to learn how the train works first. I guess. (laughs) Anyway, we open in the mall car, where the Apex are just generally being little monsters and, like, making weapons and putting on armor and just sifting through piles of trash. And then we zoom into the throne room where Grace is repainting her sine wave and dancing around all over the place. And then to Simon's room where he's painting miniatures. And it's like, it's not D&D minis or even 40k, but it's it's like World War II war game minis. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's always the fascists for that kind of game. Oh boy, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't get me wrong, 40k sees its fair share of fascists, but and, and anybody playing a World War II yeah. war game, e- you gotta be e- sus. Even D&D, especially older D&D, sometimes got into some real bad shit with like the like whole, like, oh, this race is always evil, and it's like, oh boy, this is the coast, what the fuck? <laughs> Listen, D&D is bad. Full stop. <laughs> like... I know we talk about it a lot on this show, but it's a bad game made by bad people. <laughs> I mean, Don't yeah, play. Like, Wizard of the Coast is bad. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Journey Through the Radiant Citadel was their thing, I think, two years ago. It was like a big anthology adventure series, and it was all done by people of color, and it was all this and this and this. And, uh, I mean, one of the biggest contributors to that work actively worked for the Department of Defense, making drones deadlier, so... Yeah. It's, it's bad people. It's kind of like the stuff that keeps happening in the, uh... I mean, they show previews of Werewolf the Apocalypse, like, the revision they're doing, when it's, like, you are just, like, straight up, chain- like, taking a real-life photo of a person and editing it in a way that is real bad. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, yeah, I know, mm-hmm. I know, obviously, they use photos of real people, because, I mean, I've seen the Vampire and Masquerade book, because my friends and I played that ages ago, but it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe stop making the same fucking mistakes. Uh... Oh god, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the company that makes the. Uh, well, it was Roman White Dark. Wolf. Yeah, I think they got bought. Yeah, yeah, because the the older White like White Wolf company was owned by a bunch of like shitty people, and they basically booted them all out to try to salvage it because <laughs> it was it was a real it was real rank, and it's to be fair, it's still not doing that great, but it's at least better. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like I remember hearing recently people being like, "Oh yeah, D and D says like you can be whatever like gender you want." And it's like I've read the player's handbook. It definitely doesn't say that in there. It only ever says like man or woman in terms of gender. And it's like where are you, where are you getting this from? I mean, I play a non-binary elf in our campaign that my friends and I are doing now, but that's because that was a choice of mine. And also, 
I know the group is not going to say that non-binary people don't exist in D and D, because that's <laughs> fucked if they don't. Uh, you might be surprised. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, with with my group, I know we're not. I mean, my other, my other friend is playing a trans woman in that game too. <laughs> it was very funny in a moment when like it was our characters and like uh like a married couple of guys uh, at a party, and then I was like, oh. Our friend here, both in game and out of game, is the token cishet friend, <laughs> and everybody just burst out laughing because it's like of of my main group. Only one of us is not queer. The other three of us are, <laughs> and in game it was the same reflected of that, where it's like it's five people and I guess a robot cat, and it's like one of them is a cis man, two of them are gay men, one's a non-binary person, and one's a trans woman, <laughs> and it's just it was very amusing that I noticed that. Where it's like, how did we make this? Like real world equivalent in this game here at this moment, <laughs> and it happens. But yeah, regardless, fuck Wizard of the oh. Coast. Indeed, pirate that shit. I've got, I've got all the books on the PDF if you want them. <laughs> Listen, it's a bad game. Don't play it. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so. They finish, like, gearing up and sort of head down through the adoring crowds of feral children who they just sort of part ways and open the car's doors for them. And All this while, there's, like, a cheesy, we're all the same, let's not fight about it kind of a song. Mm -hmm. This is the one that Jesse was singing last season. But okay, because I'd forgotten that because I noticed that the, like, the, like, the song title, uh, which I have my notes somewhere here, uh, da -da -da. Uh, empathy, empathy goes. Empathy goes. Yeah, I thought that it was like it had Jesse's name on it because I noticed it said Jesse Kose, but I was like, why is there a musical about Jesse? I was forgetting it's apparently the song that he was singing. Yeah, this is the song he was singing in the family tree car when he was trying to get the two opposing families to get along. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay, that was. But it's ago. a lot longer, more fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Like it's a full song. Um, it's still not very good because Jesse is bad at writing songs. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think this kind of implies that at one point he and Lake actually were at this car, I guess. I mean, that's the idea, yeah. Either someone was listening to him do that and stole his song, <laughs> or he came through here and the puzzle for the car is that you have to perform a song and he did this one. Yeah, but they'd really be stealing if they at least credited him, because he's, his name's on the card about the song. <laughs> I mean, he's not getting residuals. But yeah, but also, I mean, I feel like the train doesn't have money, is the thing. <laughs> That's fair. But also, like, you can't just use something and say, oh, but I didn't make this. That's not how accreditation or licensing works. Yeah, but also the train doesn't follow normal real-world laws and stuff, so... One one there being like, well, I guess the train has to print money to give Jesse residuals. <laughs> <laughs> to send some cash <laughs> that he made. <laughs> I was like, and, uh, one, uh, one, one, you're you're fucking over America's economy here. <laughs> not that yeah. it, not that it's doing. Everybody very well else who got off the train would be so jealous if he got a check afterwards. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's like would they even know? Because it seems like all these people that are on the train never, nobody's actually telling other people about a weird train that teaches you moral lessons. <laughs> Listen, you know this is a Reddit community. 
<laughs> am I the asshole for uh, like the whole like a, 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 like I am am I the asshole uh, subreddit is like am I the asshole for being on this train and taking way too long to listen to the corgi that was with me? <laughs> <laughs> and people being like, well, uh, what? Yeah. What's, with what's with this hypothetical scenario you're talking about? It's like, no, this actually happens. <laughs> there was a talking dog. He was a king. <laughs> the Valus the monarchy. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. There's definitely like a elevator game level subculture for people who have been on the train and then just other people who claim to have been there, but they're just making stuff up and <laughs> and they don't think it's real. They think it's just like an internet spooky tale. So they, yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's, a fun, I'm pretty sure I created this before, but it's the goddamn Midnight Channel from Persona 4, <laughs> which then is like, oh, it turns out the TV world exists and is murdering people. I'll have to take your word for it, but it doesn't sound very the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, it's like it starts as like a rumor that people are like, oh, you'll see your soulmate if you look at a, a TV that's off at midnight. And it's like, ah, actually, no, it's people that are being shown by the TV who are going to die. To be fair, the TV world doesn't kill them. Their shadow does because the shadow. Well, again, I guess the TV world does manifest the shadow because it's like your inner darker thoughts and feelings that yeah, are see, telling the truth. It doesn't super sound like this. That's like. This sounds like the back rooms. It's just a thing that anybody can do at any time. I guess. According to the fictional lore. <laughs> uh, you good? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sounded like you were saying something no, no, and you just no, cut off. No, I, I, no. Alrighty. Uh... Yes. Uh, anyway, so these are terrible children, and they are all bad. The end. Um, <laughs> season over. Skip the rest uh, of the next, season next, now, ep yeah. next episode, we'll start season four. I don't know what the subtitle of the season four is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the in the musical car, there's like six little dudes and two halves of a comedy tragedy mask performing this song, and yeah, it's. It's not great. They could use some tr some work. I hope this is rehearsal. Um, it looks like right it. Finale, I mean, they don't they don't have an audience, so it looks like it's rehearsal. Yeah, good. That's mm -hmm. that's probably for the best. Um, the 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 tragedy mask is the best of them. I'll give them that. Uh, but right at the finale, the apex just drop down onto the stage and start smashing things up. Uh, you know, Grace yells to them to take whatever they want because whoever's number goes up the most uh, gets to pick first of the raid loot. This, uh, so mostly this consists of the Apex murdering just as many denizens as possible. They sure do! Uh, they sure do a lot of murder. Like all these light bulb guys, like all these like stage light guys, they are just punching their lights out, literally, and it's like, that's murdering that guy, isn't it? <laughs> and, yeah, then uh, while they're doing this, Grace and Simon just banter playfully about their numbers and their unfortunate fashion choices. So, rad. <laughs> Are we supposed uh, to read Simon... this as them flirting? Because I just kind of read it as them flirting. Uh, I think they are a little bit, because later on they'll be, like, hanging on each other. So, yeah, I think this is... I don't think they're super romantically involved, but I think they're playfully romantically involved, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Like the like the yeah. like the whole, like, they're close enough that they're comfortable with this level of, like, physicality and stuff, but it's like... You know, it's like it could develop into more, but it also couldn't. Yeah. Depends. Simon does kind of inadvertently drop in this conversation that they met while they were 10. So they've been on the train for a while. 
Oh, I missed that oh. part. I didn't realize that. And it's like, I guess, I guess that it does imply they've been on the train for like eight years or so, unless they met like when they were kids, and then later on they both happened to get on the train. I guess. The, I mean, I guess that's possible. Yeah. But I guess also the chances that two people who know each other that also ended up on the train could be unlikely. But to be fair, they're both at terrible people, so maybe they would both end up on the train, <laughs> even if it was at different points in their lives. I guess terrible people do gravitate to each other. Yeah. Just like some of them gravitate to 700 North Adams Street, Tallahassee, <laughs> Florida, 32301. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gotta sneak it in there again, huh? <laughs> Listen, I'm not doing my job right if I'm not informing the public. <laughs> Anyone can Google this. It's publicly available information. This I'm is just true. saying it this out is, loud. Yeah, this is true. It's it's like when Musk was trying to claim that the like the the plane tracker of his was like doxing him to have people assassinate him when it's like that's public information the way you are my guy <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. you getting on a plane <laughs> we know where the plane is because it's a plane you own <laughs> yeah uh-huh <sighs> but yeah um so they basically finish up this raid which mostly consists of them setting everything on fire and deciding to leave but the door is locked so, fortunately, it is a super easy puzzle, because all you have to do is take a bow on the stage. You don't have to sing or anything, just bow. So, that feels like it would be real easy to miss if you're going through properly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like my immediate solution to this would be to get up and do a musical number, and then the door wouldn't open, and I'd be stuck. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so this is where Simon and Grace are, like, hanging on each other playfully. They're, they've both got their arms around each other's necks. They're doing the kind of we-are-walking-together thing. It's... I don't think they're romantic, but they're, like, 15-year-old romantic, if that... Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I, I think I saw that they were 18 when I was looking at their voice actors last... No, they episode. definitely are. Yeah. I'm just... This is a very immature kind of puppy love kind of romance. Right. It's not... Okay, yeah. This is how Lucid Anatomy yeah. would be. <laughs> Except yeah, yeah. Lucy and Amity are more mature kiss. than these two. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot to be more mature than uh, kids who are being assholes towards other people to the point where it includes murder. <laughs> yeah. Um, so back in the mall car, the kids are sorting out their goods, by which I mean kids are giving Grace and Simon some of the trash they stole, and Grace is lying to each and every kid in turn about how much she likes this trash. Yeah, she's really just guessing these kids a lot, huh? <laughs> uh-huh, yep. Saying the same shit to each of these kids, being like, "This is the best that I've seen. I'm gonna put this in my own personal collection and just tossing it aside." <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I mean, most of it is actual trash. Like one of them is just busted light bulbs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, torn up stage curtains. It's bad. Mm -hmm. It's they're so bad at this. Um, but yeah, well, eventually one of the kids produces the head of uh, like a. There was a lamp guy who was walking around, kind of a stage lamp, and she just ripped his head off, and she has that head in the bag. Mm -hmm. um, Grace tells the kid to wheel it, and though it begs for mercy, they just kind of laugh at it, because, of course, it's not a person, you know? It's nothing. It's just a toy made by the train to amuse them, and these toys are only useful as long as they're interesting, and so really they should just destroy it right away. But... Ultimately, Simon tells the kid to put it in his room because he needs a lamp to light his diorama of a scene from the fantasy novel he wrote. I hate him so much. Doesn't he realize that even if he does that, this lamp is not going to shut up? 
Yeah, that's gonna be like. I mean, everything sure. the lamp has been saying with like begging for mercy, it's also been in, like a sing-songy voice. It's like the lamp's gonna just be like that still. Like he does, it has, it doesn't have a mouth for you to necessarily be able to like tell it to shut nope. up. I mean, I guess you like enough time goes by, you could just basically threaten it for with like getting wheeled or destroyed or smashed if it doesn't shut up or something. But still, it's like it's still a sentient being. Still gonna be there talking. Yeah. Yeah. He sure is inviting this thing into his bedroom. Um, stage lamp, come on, do it. Stage lamp, do it. You know where you know where Simon lives, much like how we know where Greg Abbott and John Gassantis live. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the lamp doesn't have arms, so it can't really hold like a knife or something. Well, that's true, but it could focus its light beam enough to cause a fire, especially because he's painting in there. Paint be flammable. He is also. Um, he is also. He does at some point. Some part of him is also made of glass. He could just try to like smash himself on down onto Simon in his sleep. Hope, hope a shard <laughs> of him gets in the right place. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, Grace admits that she hasn't actually read the novel, which does bug Simon. But then she kind of redirects by leaning over the railing and starting to rally the kids below. It's like this call-and-response thing. It's very clearly rehearsed, and ultimately what it is is they're yelling about destroying 1-1 and restoring the true conductor. Huzzah. Um, this gets them just so fired up that they decide to do another raid. Um, now, I have a lot of questions about every season of this show, but in this one, my question is how do they decide which cars to attack? I, I don't like... Because so, Simon has a radar that tells him that there's no passengers in a car, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it can detect whether there's people there. But that's not the same as, you already raided this car two days ago. They know the cars move around constantly. Yeah, so what I think it might be is, like, after they attack a car, it could be that, like, you know, I mean, we don't know how long they've been doing this for, but, like, Amelia could have still been moving them around afterwards, being like, oh, something's mm -hmm. gone on in this one, and maybe she wasn't, like, fully paying attention to the kids. But I feel like, like, one one you know, probably has more surveillance going on that, like, when a train car gets attacked by them, he's actually moving it back into position, like, near the engine to have it addressed and fixed. I would think, and then uh, basically I that mean, puts maybe. a different car as their next one. Because, like, I mean, the car that should be ahead of them is, you know, uh... Oh, what was the one that, uh, that Lake ran into? Oh, wait, Lake didn't run into the car ahead because, like, uh... Yeah, because they got thrown yeah, off the train. yeah. It's like, yeah, like, um, I mean, otherwise, like, cause, like if if their car hasn't been being moved around, then, like, the like the carnival or whatever is still behind them in the train. Yeah. And then, like, wouldn't the cube one still be in front? So it's like, it must be a case of, like, one one is having them moved around to be, you know, like, fixed and everything. So that's why the kids can't well, do more damage. If you'll remember, the first time we saw the Apex, not in the Grey Spider's Help episode, but the first time we saw the whole Apex... There was a scene in which a kid came in to tell Grace that a new car just dropped in five cars down the line. So, oh right, I yeah, guess right. They, they have right, a way to use, monitor that. Right, they use the packs for that. Yeah, or maybe they just had a kid who was like just scouting things out. I think they must have somebody on watch paying attention to the stuff outside. Yeah, I mean they have the packs that... so they can easily get up on top of the train and move around if need be to be able to see that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's safe to just have somebody sitting on top of the train because if a car rolls past, then you're—I mean, that's a bug uh, on the well, you know, territory. hey, uh, you know, it's not like we didn't see that firsthand. You know, it's not like Mace experienced that or anything. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I assume their targets are probably influenced by this dragon radar thing that Simon has, but I don't. We we really don't get a lot Wait, of information did, about how they decide their where stuff. Where did he get this thing from? Did he steal it? Did he make it? I have to assume he stole it from somewhere. No way did he make this thing. Yeah, he doesn't... it's tracking passenger numbers, so... Yeah, he doesn't seem like he'd be smart enough to be able to design something like that. Yeah. It's... I, I, I don't even know how this thing works. I don't know who built... It must have been Amelia, but... <laughs> But even then, it's like, and, why would Amelia need something like this, considering that she has the ability to track people because she had control of the engine? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very strange, but I promise you Simon did not build this. Um, mm. yeah. We cut to the unfinished car from way back in Season 1, um, and uh, you may remember this as being the place where all those turtles live. Yeah. And uh, oh, also, also there are I forgot, here now. I forgot to mention, in like the crowd out of all the kids, a lot of these kids just don't really seem like they have really big numbers because like they don't have numbers on their arms. So it's like I mean, like as we saw with Tulip, like the smaller numbers are just on your palm. So it's like we mm -hmm. don't. These a lot of these kids seem like they're ever like new recruits, so they're just not as good at doing an anarchism basically <laughs> against one one. Well, I mean, if Grace and Simon have been on the train for eight years, it makes sense. That yeah, I, yeah that's true. Yeah. Oh my god, imagine being stuck on this train when you're ten and having to basically try to subsist on the, the shitty food that you find on the train. Like, uh, I mean, because like, considering that Jesse brought up before that the food on the train sucks. <laughs> <laughs> also, as a ten-year-old, you don't know how to do shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I'm kind of amazed that Simon is doing figure painting, honestly. Like, how yeah. do you get into miniature painting when you've been on the train since you were 10 years old? I, I hope none of these kids have had, like, a cavity or something, because I don't think there's anybody on the train that they'd be willing to trust to address that. I don't think there's a dentist car. And also, Not a and, also and also, they wouldn't trust a dentist in to do that anyway. Nope. Um, yeah. So we get a couple of scenes of turtle life, which is just like regular life, but for turtles. And then the Apex busts in and starts smashing stuff. And it's like, once again, these raids don't really seem to accomplish much. Like, they're not stealing stuff for the most part. It's just like kids breaking things for no reasons. And the thing they do steal are completely pointless. Like, you would assume that they would want food, supplies, anything from a car like this, yeah, but like, they're like ripping swings off of swing sets and stealing mailboxes, and that's just like nothing. We, we've seen that there's one turtle that always hung his laundry out uh, from the inside of his house because he had no wall there. Like, like you would think they'd be like stealing his clothes because that's an easy source of new clothes or something. Yeah. Yeah, right the or pantry, go, go through the fridge. Steal the jam intersection because that's jam. <laughs> I don't, but no, I don't know. They just want to break stuff. I don't. I, actually, I don't <laughs> think you want to eat that jam, considering that turtle slide in it. So it's probably not very sanitary to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming from the jam fountain. So as long as you get it from the jam spout, you're. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but it's also like I mean that's not how germs work. It's, it's spreading throughout. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like you're like oh well, do the source is fine. It's just don't get it uh, where the turtles have been. It's like it still still spreads throughout the entire body of it. <laughs> I mean, yes, again, but, like, if the source is pure, then the source is pure. Germs aren't going to travel up the stream. I guess. But, but that's also, just not... These kids definitely don't think about germs. They're idiot kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, they're just not 
doing much. So after a few moments of chaos and a confrontation with some turtle guards who tell them to stop in the name of King Aloysius, which I do want to make a quick note here. Last time we were here, he was Emperor Aloysius, so he is disbanding the monarchy, I guess. <laughs> Stepping down one piece at a time. Um, Sounds like <laughs> There's also, uh, I also noticed there's some corgis in here, so I guess Atticus made good on his uh, promise to send in corgis to help rebuild. Yeah, they don't have a dragon radar. Those corgis will never see their home again. Oh no. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, so the car starts rumbling, and Grace realizes that something is wrong, because this car is what she calls a shifter, which is to say that it's just going to move. It's it's a car that's going to move. They're all shifters. Stopping yeah, you yeah, uh, we've for this. seen. Yeah, we've seen that all the cars can and have moved. Like uh-huh. for the most part, we've, they're built to do that. Yeah, they're like they're made uh, near the front of the car of the train, and then they're put into some position on the train. They can all move around if need be. <laughs> yeah. So she gives the order to retreat, but something screwy starts happening with the gravity, and a bunch of debris gets sucked toward the center of the car, along with Simon. And then it just, like, drops a wall on him, which, good, do that a few more times. Also, Um, very funny that, like, when Simon's stuck by that gravity, he's, like, trying to, like, reach forward and, like, sort of, like, swim against the gravity. It's like, my guy, you have a grapple pack. You could use that to get yourself back to where gravity's normal. uh, I mean, (laughs) one of the overarching themes of this season will be that Simon is not as smart as he thinks he is. Good. (laughs) Because he's a fucking moron and also a bad person. Uh, but yeah, uh, so he gets a wall dropped on him and the last of the Apex escape as the bridge retracts and the car is starting to lift up. But Simon is stuck, so Grace goes back for him. And I'm, I'm a little unclear about this, if I'm honest, because I don't know why everything started getting sucked toward the center of the car. I want to theorize, because like... The doors are open while the car is moving, right? Mm-hmm. So it would make sense for there to be a huge wind vortex going through there. But it had already started before the car started moving, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, like, we've we seen the gravity gets all, get all messed up here before. Like, I mean, because, like, there's some parts where it's, like, there's a staircase that's floating up, above, like, up in the sky that you could just jump onto and the gravity reverses mm-hmm. on there. Like, even before one was messing with stuff, so it's, like... It could be that, like, one one is intentionally, like, messing with stuff to try to get them out of there because he, he knows he could suck and also he's been at the unfinished car before and knows that Toros would just be left alone. <laughs> also, he did enough damage as is in that train car, so he wants to make sure it stays on the path of recovery. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so Grace gets to Simon and lifts the wall off of him and... He's okay, but kind of slowed down. Says he bruised a rib. And so he just kind of drapes himself over her. He's hanging onto her as she carries him, and she fires her harpoon pack out the open door of the car and manages to connect to the train. But as they're reeling in, trying to pull themselves out of this car that's racing down the train, uh, her leads snap, and they're just sent flying into the air and slam into a bridge between the cars. Or at least Grace does, because Simon just barely catches the edge of the bridge and almost gets wheeled. Unfortunately, he's still here. Um, yeah, Grace pulls him up, and yeah. <laughs> Gotta say, this bit where they're being dragged along has to be murder on Grace's boobs. <laughs> she's getting dra- uh, she's getting dragged on like on her stomach slash chest, and it's like that has to that has to hurt. <laughs> um, I mean, probably yes. 
It depends on what kind of uh, protection she's got going on. Like, it kind of looks like just a shirt with something under it. If that's maybe an I armor mean, plate, she's probably okay, but... I mean, it's like, the the pack is like a bit of like a plating of sorts, but it's like, I guess it depends on like how much she's getting pressed against that, but it's like, based on her normal outfit, we see that she has basically what looks just like a sports bra on underneath her shirt. <laughs> so it's like, it's like still uncomfortable. The boobs have to be protected. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of questions about how growing up on the train works, and I'm trying not to be gross about it because they are children, but also, like, we're talking about growing up on a train with insufficient nutrition. Uh, yeah. They should really be malnourished, and yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's, it's a weird. Uh, we're middle- just gonna skip ahead. Yeah, I think. It's, a, it's a weird middle ground because, like you say, like, but they're at least like eighteen, but still. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Treat your boobs so yeah, right. So, it's the moral lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, moving along, so she saves Simon, unfortunately, and they're both okay. But her uh, harpoon pack is just totally trashed. And they are pretty far from the mall car because they are forty-seven cars away now. That's that they, they the uh, cars roll pretty quick, I guess. Um, Brace mentions that cars aren't supposed to move while there are passengers in them, and to Simon, this is immediately an indication of an assassination attempt. He thinks that this was one one's fault because only the false conductor could override the safety, and so this must have been his first move against them. I don't know, like. They've been calling him the enemy all along. I don't know if this is the first move, but... That's yeah, I, I feel like they started things. <laughs> no, know? they absolutely started things. But if he's the enemy, then there must have been some other offense, right? They can't, like... I don't know. Well, I mean, they see... Either the, the offense they see is the fact that, like, one one is back in the conductor's spot and that Amelia isn't because they always, like, believe that Amelia was the one... Who was meant to be the one leading the train because she was only doing stuff to get her away when that's what they want. Yes, I just, like... Okay, how do I put this? They have built an entire little cult about killing one one specifically. Mm-hmm. They have been demonizing him for ages. And I don't believe that you could make a cult to this point, that you could get people this on board without him actually doing something that could be perceived as hostile to them. I mean, for all we know, they could perceive just the fact that Train is supposed to teach you to be a better person as being hostile towards them, because they just don't want to be decent people. They just want what (laughs) they believe is theirs. I guess that's fair, but in that case, this wouldn't be the first move. You see the issue here. Well, yeah, the the first move was that they believed they were slighted against by one one just... (laughs) doing his job on the train, which is to teach people moral lessons to help them be better people once they go back home. <laughs> which is not uh. which is not a slight or an offense. <laughs> How dare you try to make me be good? <laughs> How dare you closely examine my life and be a better person and fix my relationships with the people I know and love, one one you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, um, it's okay, though, because, you know, this is bad, and they're kind of in the weeds, but they're together, and they've been in this position before, you know, years ago, so 
They head off into the first of the 47 cars together alone, just like old times. And that's the end of the episode. So I have to point out, they still have a, like, grapple pack. They could yeah, just they, sure they could just go use it to get back to the mall car, grab another grapple pack to bring back for the other, and then get out of the situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. But they, they just could. choose not to. <laughs> nope. I mean, I guess the whole uh, thing is like, well, Simon's hurt, and it's Simon's grapple pack, so he doesn't want to get let Grace borrow it, so this way she can go and get him one. I guess I, I don't know. It's just, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, obviously the season has to happen for <laughs> presumably both, if not just Grace learns something, because I don't think Simon's capable of learning anything. But maybe I'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows it's just there's an easy solution here and you're not taking it and you're instead deciding to go ahead and walk through 47 cars yep and be jerks along the way and I guess there's something I should note uh, so you mentioned that when you watched this they had changed the title card to say Max mm-hmm. instead of HBO Max yeah and the thing is, is that I think that's been in the works for a very long time. I don't know that they necessarily changed it, because... Well, uh, well, the thing is that, like, I don't watch it on HBO. I watch it through other illicit means, is the thing. And, like, they, mm-hmm. it's interesting that, like, it, I guess whoever uploaded these initially went and re-uploaded them with this new branding or something. Okay, but they didn't, is what I'm saying. Because I, uh have them through other means, shall we say. I don't watch them anywhere, so to speak. I bought the DVD copy, quote-unquote, and uh, it definitely says Max in the intro to mine, which I have had since this season aired, so... Hmm. Well, I think Uh, also... Yeah, this rebrand has been going on for a while. Well, also, is this like the point where they started actually airing them brand new on HBO and not Cartoon Network? Because I don't think I've ever uh, seen the Cartoon Network logo at the start of an episode either. No, I don't believe so, no. But season two would have been HBO exclusive, so... I'm checking to see... Uh... No, okay, no, I am right. Book three was officially announced for release date of August 13th, 2020. Unlike its predecessors, it aired on HBO instead of Cartoon Network. Or specifically HBO Max. So this this season is when they started airing on HBO, which I guess maybe is why that Max thing is there in the yeah. intro. Because like again, like I said, I never had seen like a Cartoon Network like logo or anything like that before the episodes began for books one and two. Mm-hmm. So that must be why it's different. But it's still like weird because it like it still says Max. It's not HBO Max, so, and Max is yeah, like no. the more recent rebranding, which is stupid. <laughs> Well, as I say, this rebranding has apparently been in the works for a while. I guess. It's just, it's also, it also <laughs> just stands out as being very strange because it was like, what, a year ago when HBO was trying to scrub Infinity Train from the record of everything ever? Uh-huh. <laughs> and now they brought it, they like decided to bring it back, and now they're acting like they've always been all supportive of it if they're going back and changing the intro card thing to say Max. It's stupid. HBO sucks. Again. I don't think they went back and changed it. My copies are older than this rebrand. It's been there all along. That's just what it said in the episode. Okay. Well, I, it's dumb regardless. HBO does not respect this show. No, they don't. <laughs> if they did, they wouldn't have tried to scrub it from the internet, and also they would have given us season five. 
or at least the movie <laughs> that was going to be season five. <sighs> well, you know, seasons six through nine. Oh yeah, yeah, the fact that it was actually planned for like at least like something like eight books total at the minimum. <laughs> so, yeah, we should probably just move on <laughs> to episode two, huh? I suppose so. Yeah, but uh, didn't we have an ad read though? Um, you know, I think we probably should. <laughs> we should probably <laughs> advertise um, our thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so now that we've covered our first episode, we should probably take a quick break to talk about our Patreon. Um, you can find us at patreon.com slash usweirdoscast, where we do a ton of cool stuff. <laughs> um, of course, the main thing there is uh, three months early access to our other podcast, The Axe Files, but if you'd prefer to listen on the free feed, that is just free. And then, uh, you know, upgraded uh, tiers get upgraded stuff, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. You get stuff like uh, queer book readings from my co-host here, and also uh, a long line of failure in terms of oh, no. from me and other stuff. <laughs> look, there's a reasoning why, if you look at it currently, that there's a different nose like that began <laughs> <laughs> when the other one went on only to ten episodes. Hmm, I wonder what might have happened. <laughs> uh, turns out the same thing as I thought, which that I heard a lot, which is that Ultra Sun and Moon are really fucking hard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool stuff. Of course, the other thing that we offer to our patrons is a weekly shout-out on our episode, so we need to give a huge thank you to Trigger Harpy, Bookcase Queen, and Aurora Borealis. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> yep, thank you for your continued support. You are the best. <laughs> um... That said, there is another little thing that we need to cover, just briefly. Um, our Twitter account got compromised, basically, because Twitter exploded <laughs> again. Yeah, basically, as we understand it, uh, all, like, a lot of people lost access to their accounts with Gmail, because for a while I've been trying to figure out why I could never sign in with the Us Weirdos Gmail account. And it turns out it's because a certain somebody hasn't been paying his fucking dues to Google, and so Google's been just setting a fire to all their, like, Twitter support. And we just can't get access anymore because it says the account's suspended. Or rather, it's basically just, uh, we're not able to get into it, and the other account that I had accidentally registered at one point was suspended because we also could not figure out the login mm -hmm. for some reason. So we had to recreate it from the ground up, basically. Yeah, so even though I'm going to say Us Weirdos Cast later in the episode, that is no longer accurate. The actual Twitter account is Us Weirdos Cast 2, that is the digit 2, because we didn't want to do anything special with it, because at the rate Twitter keeps exploding, it'll be gone within a week. Um. <laughs> yeah, by the time that the date that you're... By the time that we put out a podcast around early July, which is when we're recording this, while we know Twitter could be fully dead. Now, ten years from now, when we're still stuck on Us Weirdos Cast 2, we're going to regret that. But for the moment... <laughs> the only way that happens is if Elon Musk falls off a cliff and somebody owns Twitter immediately, <laughs> like, in the next couple of weeks. There's no fucking chance Twitter's still around in a decade at this rate. <laughs> yeah, so that's our, uh, our shout-outs and our PSA. So thanks so much, y'all, and uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. I should also just quickly briefly mention, uh, I'll try to put more stuff on our co-host, which is just at us weirdos, because that seems like a more guarantee at this point to not blow up. <laughs> <laughs>
just to throw that out there. <laughs> Focus on that more. I'm actually gonna use that. And if you're close personal friends with Elon, maybe invite him rock climbing or something. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that'll lead us into episode two, the Tunko Car, which basically just starts with Simon being obsessed over their lack of backup, a pair of functional harpoon packs. I keep calling them grapple packs. I always forget they call them harpoon packs, I don't know why. And how they've <laughs> not even been this far from their base on the train before. Uh, basically, he's just fully obsessed about the stuff. He's not really focusing on anything else, while Grace is mostly just changing her makeup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the two of them basically just take stock of what they have in Grace's bag, which is pretty much just some snack bars, a bit of rope, three toothbrushes, because apparently Grace has one for her teeth and two to clean her shoes. Which Simon's annoyed because sense, it doesn't yeah. mean he has one at all. Uh, a bag of Gorp, which is very funny because I actually just found out literally last night what Gorp even means because of my D&D group. Because <laughs> they explained to me because like we joked about like, oh, you want some Gorp? Because my character had bought like a tuna fish sandwich. And it's like me being like, no, I've got I've got Gorp for later. What's Gorp? <laughs> and then they actually explained it to me. I didn't know it was <laughs> a thing. Uh, it's just a funny coincidence. Uh, but yeah, but besides that, they only have basically some deodorant in her little, it's like, it's like somewhere between like a crossbody bag and like a fanny pack. Cause like, it looks like she could, it's a fanny pack. Yeah. It looks like she could keep it as a crossbody bag, but she definitely does like hook it around her hips afterwards. <laughs> That's, it's a fanny pack. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a really big fanny pack. I'll give you that. Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, in you can fit a whole bit of rope in it. <laughs> Usually rope doesn't fit in a fanny pack. <laughs> Yeah, but they basically just test out the car then at that point they're, that they're in, and they discover that the plants and animals all glow when touched. Like, basically, they like figure it out by touching some plants and, like, even some lizards. Uh, yeah, what kind of maniac just goes around touching animals? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the lizard kind of just walked up to them because it's a denizen, and it doesn't really know any better about these kids being jackasses. <laughs> But, uh, in any case, uh, Grace tries to get Simon to loosen up a bit while they're on, basically, their unexpected leave of absence, as she describes it, before they just take off through the car for a bit. Uh, while they just go along, they end up hearing a creature that causes birds and, as I noticed, ferrets to run and hide when it basically emits, like, a shockwave roar. At least, I believe <laughs> these are supposed to be ferrets. They look very ferrety. Uh, but basically, this just lets them know that, uh, Oh, Robert, this lets us know that Simon has anti-gravity boots, essentially, because he uses them to, like, to uh, reach off of a fallen tree trunk that they're using to cross the river to enable able to catch Grace from falling off. Like, he basically yeah, off the I side. don't know what is happening here. Yeah, like... where did he get, like, again, like, just like with his old, like, tracker thing, where did he get these from? <laughs> I mean, we, we know the train has some sci-fi bullshit, like, it has guns on the front, so I guess these are another thing that he stole from somebody on the train. <laughs> I guess it must be, yeah. Like, I am willing to concede the possibility that these kids could invent the grapple packs, right? Like, definitely not. It's yeah, not high technology. Yeah, definitely not anti gravity boots. <laughs> these these were exactly. not made by not these a chance. kids. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I, even then, I would feel like they might have just actually stolen the the grapple packs from somewhere too. Because, like. Well, I mean, those those I are like distinctly enough, like scientific enough that they can like drag the person back and then basically reset to be used again. Like, I feel like if these kids were making them, they'd be like, "Oh, one and done." Of like, "Oh, you gotta have like multiple like grapple cartridges or something or harpoons, whatever, to be able to well, use it again." I mean, it's very. How, how do I put this? So, 
The issue with grapple guns in real life has always been that we don't have motors powerful enough to lift, mm -hmm. and it's also almost impossible to have a rope strong enough to lift without snapping your arm. It's It's got to be at a very specific tension, right? Yeah. So with the materials on the train, I could see that these kids could do it because it's just like magnets and pulleys and a small engine to reel in the rope. No problem. But anti-grav boots is just no. <laughs> You're telling me that Link's hook shot might not really exist unless it had the right stuff inside of it? <laughs> I mean, hook hookshot <laughs> is different. It uses chains instead of rope. This is true. Which really makes it even weirder, because it would have to have such a high firepower to launch the chains like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, Wind Waker Link also having a grappling hook, like a swinging grappling hook, that that at least is just normal. That's not like motorized or anything. It's on a rope. That makes more sense. But he also gets a grapple. He also gets a hookshot. <laughs> if Link pointed a hookshot at a person, he could shoot through four people in a row, I bet. <laughs> uh, why does he ever try to shoot Ganon with that? <laughs> like, why, why does Wind Waker Link, and, uh, not the Wind Waker, why does Breath of the Wild slash Tears of the Kingdom Link not have a, grap uh, a grapple shot to basically shoot Ganon? <laughs> It would have to be so pressurized. It honestly might be a black powder explosive launching that thing. <laughs> You're telling me a Zonai hasn't made a, a hook shot? A Zonai has definitely made a hook shot. <laughs> well, with all the bullshit Zonai tech with all the stupid fucking Gundams and shit you can make with it in Tears of the Kingdom, somebody's made a hook shot at some point. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe if they do DLC, maybe they'll give us a hook shot equivalent because like they kinda can't give us a motorcycle again because you can just make motorcycles now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they need a hookshot anymore, is the thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've already made, like, multiple different ways to get around, besides just usual climbing. They just made it be that you can actually just straight up go through a solid object that's, like, close enough to where you're standing anyway, with the ascendability. So it's like, they really have made the traversal even easier already, as is. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, it's also like, I mean, any time that you're actually using the hookshot in other Zelda games, it's like, there was a target, like a tree or something like that, inconveniently nearby where you had to use it. There's not that in all the time in Breath of the Wild's world. In, in any case, yeah, it's it's just more weird train tech that these kids obviously must have stolen. They, there's no way they have anti-grav boots that they made. <laughs> that regardless. Uh, they basically immediately revert back to their usual ways, believing that this denizen is a threat. So Simon uses his boots to run up a tree for a better look, and he spots a section of trees off in the distance that like basically just glow as something or someone passes through them. And then he hears the creature's roar again, which causes a really big nearby tree to collapse when he basically decides to flee from his tree since it gets caught in the, uh, caught in the crossfire of this other tree falling. Uh, yeah, he almost gets crushed. Unfortunately, he does not. That's like the fourth time Simon <laughs> has narrowly not been killed. He is really tempting fate. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, just can't stop. I kind of wonder just because of how much so far already it's been that he's gotten almost killed and. Like, are they actually going to kill this kid <laughs> off or something at some point? I don't know. They, they've already teased it a lot just in these two episodes so far. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he hasn't dropped any death flags. He's just, like, skirting true, true. the edge, he, has, he hasn't said this is his last mission ever in terms of, like, uh, going to do a raid or something. In fact, it was Grace who said this will be fine. It's just like old times. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not doing Marco stuff of, like, oh, I agreed to one more mission and uh, everything's gone to hell. <laughs> Simon basically recites their group's code about incapacitating denizens who cannot be stopped by force or avoided entirely, 
and Grace is just fully on board with trapping whatever the thing is. So they basically just build a cage out of branches and set up it with some vines, and then they just basically wait out till nighttime. They don't make a campfire because <laughs> they don't have that stuff. They just put some like glowy plants on like a campfire equivalent <laughs> just to have some light. It's kind of goofy that Simon asks if they have marshmallows when it's like, you've already gotten over your provisions, and also you don't have a campfire to melt those marshmallows, my guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. But, yeah. but they basically at that point hear the cage go off, only to see that it got just fully smashed. Like, it's not actually like caught anything, it just got dropped, and it's just in shambles. Uh, weirdly enough, Simon tries to be optimistic about this, since it's like, hey, we at least know that the denizen is nearby, so we can work together to defeat them. And he just immediately gets grabbed by a big gorilla hand, which then immediately follows by Grace also getting grabbed. <laughs> so, I guess rest of these kids. Uh, book four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah babe. For people who are supposed to be good at this, they're not good at no, this. No, they really aren't. <laughs> To be fair, I feel like they haven't encountered the the character who grabbed them once before or anything similar to them, so I don't think... Well, they definitely haven't met this character before, but also I feel like they've been getting kind of... They've been living in the mall car for a long time now and only just going out on raids. I think they got soft. They can't survive in the wild anymore. I mean, could they ever, <laughs> is the thing. <laughs> Again, I don't know how anybody lives on this train for long term anyway, just because of this train being a nightmare place. And also, you never <laughs> can tell what kind of food, if any, is going to be in the next car near you. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, Tulip did fine. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, Tulip also at least had help from Atticus. These kids have just been on their own without denizens to help them and, you know, by intention. So, like, Atticus at least would probably know stuff. <laughs> uh, Atticus rarely knew stuff from what I recall, but sure. <laughs> well, maybe he knew some stuff that we didn't see on screen. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, Atticus really didn't do a whole lot on screen, but maybe he was helpful off screen more. <laughs> uh, at any point, at any rate, uh, Grace and Simon wake up in basically like a like leaf nest in a clearing, in a sort, and are approached by the gorilla who declares that the trespassers will be the food for the mighty tuba, only for the gorilla to basically just tickle them both <laughs> instead of murder them. Sadly, <laughs> uh, basically turns out that it was actually a little girl who's accompanying the gorilla, who she has like really wild hair and everything, who was narrating that whole deal about being eaten by tuba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and basically, uh, turns out Tuba, for the most part, is just a very chill, very tall gorilla who has, they, I mean, they call this gorilla Tuba, but, like, it really looks like they have more, like, sousaphone-like instruments. Yeah, those are definitely sousaphones. Yeah, like, it's definitely more like that, but, I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, the little girl, Hazel, is, like, what, five or six? She doesn't know what two sousaphones are. <laughs> she would probably just call them Tubas. <laughs> Well, I figure Tuba probably gave her own name, like... Yeah, I guess. Unless maybe she didn't have one and, like, she got named by her or something. But it's like, <laughs> again, these are not Trump. These are not Tubas. These are Shusophones. But basically, yeah, there are, like, two of them wrapped around, uh, basically, on Tuba's shoulders. Uh, yeah. Hazel makes fun of them for thinking that they were about to be eaten, and Grace whispers to Simon that his device's readout said that there weren't supposed to be any passengers in the cars between them and the mall car. But he just repeats that the tracker had reported that, so he's basically just putting all of his face in the tablet that doesn't work as well like Bo had done in the past, I guess. 
Because again, <laughs> but Bo focused way too much on that stupid fucking tablet he had, even when it clearly was a piece of shit so often <laughs> and did not work yeah. normally. <laughs> that thing had reception like maybe 1% of the time. <laughs> yeah, it had reception when they were still in Bright Moon, and then immediately once they leave Bright Moon, it's like, well, uh, no magic cell service out here, five feet from Bright Moon, darn. <laughs> Man, you gotta pay for the roaming plan. <laughs> Look, Bo doesn't have money. Bo is a broke-ass boy. He does not have He is money. hanging out with a princess. She can foot the bill. <laughs> the, the, actually, that brings up a good question. Does anybody on Ethereum know what money is? Does they have a currency system? We never see anything yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, they have shops. They have shopkeepers. They have people who own uh, stores. They absolutely true. have currency. Yeah. But I don't think any of the party ever has money. <laughs> No, definitely not. Like, like, uh, even like, I feel like Glimmer is like kind of like uh, the main character from Tales of the Abyss, Luke, where he's like, yeah, but the but the capital pays for everything. What's money? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a very funny part at the start of that game, from what I recall, where he, like Luke just grabs an apple and starts to eat it, and like the guy's like, hey, you gonna pay for that? And it's like, yeah, the capital pays for everything, because <laughs> he's also like a spoiled rich guy, old kid. <laughs> yeah, that. That that squad is just a bunch of poor kids, and their one rich friend who doesn't know what cash is. <laughs> yeah, like like even when Glimmer becomes queen, she's like, yeah, let somebody else handle that stuff. I don't care about what money is. You handle it. You pay for stuff. <laughs> Whatever assistant is here. Maybe it was that like put upon captain lady who showed up like twice and got a name, which has been more than even some major characters in this show. Yeah. It was like Judith or something, yeah. right? That lady. I don't even remember, but yeah, so, it so, was... something like that. Yeah. I think it's I think her name's Dorothy J. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, where were we? Da, da, da. Yeah. Uh, Grace and Simon basically refer themselves as members of the Apex, and immediately Simon tries to sell Hazel on joining the Apex to get what they are owed by the train. But she just basically laughs. Uh, oh wait, oh, yeah, when he he gets laughed at, basically immediately <laughs> by. I forget if it was Hazel or Tulip, or, uh, not Tulip, but Tuba who laughs at him. Not both. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they laugh at him, and he uh, basically just gets set off and starts getting a little bit hostile, which in turn sets off Tuba, who roars at him, but she's stopped by uh, the little girl, Hazel. Yeah, once again, Simon is inches away from death. Yeah, it's like, number five. Do we have to keep a Simon almost dies counter for this for this season? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, we were asked as one of the questions, spoilers for later, if we need to keep a kill count for these two kids, do we need to also keep a almost dies count for them, in particular Simon? Uh, yeah. In any case, uh, Grace has tried to try to take a nicer approach to things, and so she apologizes and introduces them both, at which point Hazel introduces Tuba and herself. I, I basically just said Hazel the entire time, because why? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> the name isn't a secret. We were going to get there either. Yeah, it's like we were going to get there. I mean, there's like there's only so many times I could refer to the gorilla with Tuba's on, or Susaphones or whatever, on its shoulders as the gorilla without just saying Tuba. Especially because, like, we already kind of knew it's, her name was Tuba anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh, I found her. That was General Juliet. Okay, so from Shira. Close, yeah. I thought I said Julie or Judy or something. So yeah, close enough. This person who got a name for her like all of two appearances. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's in. She's uh, in the background. Two episodes. She's in the background of an episode, I think, before she gets named. But like, she's in, she's in like the murder mystery episode, right? 
Um, or like no. the, the murder criminal. General Juliet is only in two episodes. Yeah. Uh, she's in Raz, and in Valley of the Lost, she tells Glimmer that she has to go to a meeting, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> I thought that she was one of the people that questioned, like the uh, the pastry people who somehow didn't die uh, during that's, the Mermistries episode. I believe episode. a different person. Huh. Okay. I, I think there were multiple named Bright Moon Guards, because... Well, I mean, unlike, I don't know if... except those pastry people. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we finished talking about Zero. We're not here to talk about more Zero. I can cite characters who don't matter. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. You brought her up. True. <laughs> but I've proven drawing, so therefore I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Getting back to this, uh, Grace asked if she can talk to Hazel alone for a little bit, and, like, Hazel assures Tuba that she'll be fine, so Tuba walks off, a little, like, still very heavily sus towards Grace and Simon, as she should be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Grace basically just ends up showing Hazel her very large number, and Hazel, in her turn, uh, shows her number two, which is at 337. But they're all very confused at the fact that Hazel's number doesn't glow like theirs do. And this immediately just makes Simon get all conspiratorial, because he thinks that the conductor was trying to hide her from them by disabling her number, <laughs> which is why she didn't pop up under his tracker. So he basically just wants to get her to their group ASAP, this way, for her protection, I guess, in her mind. <laughs> oh boy, these kids. <laughs> I mean, safety of numbers, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, she's more safe with Tuba than with all of the entirety of the Apex, I feel. <laughs> I don't know much about Tuba and Hazel, but even then I feel as confident in saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, any point. Uh, Grace basically tries to play things way more polite and basically just again straight up gaslight Hazel into going along with them to meet other kids her age and for them to figure out how to make her number glow. So Hazel's just immediately on board since she's a kid and very impressionable. <laughs> but yeah. Simon tries to hastily say that Tuba cannot come with them because he's prejudiced, just like the rest of the Apex. Uh, but then Grace basically tries to immediately smooth things over by explaining that numbers are for passengers, and that, you know, this overall stuff doesn't affect denizens, and that Chuba would probably just want to stay in the jungle car anyway. But to her credit, Hazel's at least not having none of that. She's, she's like, nope, do what comes with me. She's, she, <laughs> yeah. she has one point thing that she will not, uh, bend on, and that is that she needs to stick with her giant gorilla friend. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how a child meets a giant gorilla on a train, but I guess when you do, you kind of stay close. Yeah. Well, I mean, the gorilla can speak, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like... Because, uh, you know, Tulip met Atticus by just sort of falling into his car, and he said, Hi, I'd like to come with you forever now. <laughs> And well, he had. I'm curious he had a, if it's the same thing. Well, Atticus or... at least had an agenda, which is that he wanted to bring the steward to justice. <laughs> like he wasn't just like, yeah, I'm gonna just fucking go with you and abandon my people for five months. It was actually him being like, yeah, I need to kill that monster because <laughs> it was huh. fucking with my home. <laughs> so it's like that made sense, but it's like, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe I mean. Cause have you watched you watched this book, right? You've watched the rest of the show? I have, yes. Do you, do we ever get any context for like how Hazel and Tuba met? I have not watched the fourth season, so it's possible it happens there, but, but not in book three. The context in this book for how Hazel and Tuba met is very 
they'll talk about it a little, mm-hmm. but not directly, okay. if that makes sense. Is, I don't know how to say this without... Yeah, which is interesting, because that's like the first time in the show that we wouldn't have actually seen members of the group meet up then. Because like, obviously we like saw two of them meet, one in episode one, and then later Atticus in episode three... And like obviously, MT met both Jesse or in, uh, well, you know, Lake met Jesse and uh, Alan Dracula in the first episode too. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to play by the rules of the train, uh, Jesse met Lake and Alan Dracula in that episode. I guess, but but Lake was the focus character, even if Jesse was the yeah, passenger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, regardless. Uh, the, the, yeah, basically, Grace and Simon immediately dismissed the idea of potentially just grabbing Hazel and trying to outrun Tuba, because they would not. Yeah, that's not gonna work. They would absolutely die. <laughs> they would get ten feet before <laughs> this gorilla would catch up with them and murder them. So Grace tells Simon that they'll just have to take them both along for now, then try and ditch Tuba before they get back to the mall car. Not sure how these kids plan on doing that when they are two teenagers and Tuba is a, like, 20-foot-tall gorilla, but sure. <laughs> According to factanimal.com slash gorillas, gorillas can hit 25 miles an hour, so... <laughs> yeah, like, basically as fast as, like, Olympic sprinters, I think. <laughs> uh-huh, Definitely yeah. faster than a, bunch of te- than a couple of teenagers. <laughs> Yeah, and that's no- that's regular, normal Earth gorillas. We don't know if Tuba, being a t- trained gorilla who is like twenty feet tall, can run faster or not. <laughs> I don't think she's twenty feet tall, but she's pretty big. She's definitely at least twelve. <laughs> uh, yeah, twelve makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. But Grace tells Hazel and Tuba that they'll all go to the Apex together, but Tuba asks Hazel if this is what she wants, since they were basically just settling in here at the jungle car. But she's convinced when Hazel says that she's been dreaming of this moment her whole life, which I guess is just to meet other kids her age. So she also agrees to go along with what Hazel wants. And that's basically that <laughs> entire episode, which weirdly enough ends on like a like white to white compared to like all the other episodes, which went always went to black. Which is yeah. strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's weird to think about how like the things we talked about the most in these two episodes are god these kids fucking suck <laughs> when we already knew that <laughs> yeah. yeah these two were extremely exposition in a way that the past haven't the yeah. past two seasons haven't yeah hmm. like obviously we've spent time introducing our characters but with Tulip it, it was kind of all in that first seven minutes and then she's on the train <laughs> yeah it's 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 i mean it's like you obviously don't want to probably like just repeat the same cycle of how you do stuff in terms of the story like you want to vary it up a little bit but it's like just kind of interesting that it's like here we are with like two complete shithead characters as the protagonists and like we didn't really talk a whole lot beyond just like yeah they suck they meet they meet hazel and tulip or not Tulip. Tulip. Tuba. God, that's the second time I said Tulip and said Tuba. <laughs> uh, spoilers? Hmm? No, I don't... Uh, no. I highly um... doubt that Tulip got back on the train and got turned into a gorilla. <laughs> Unless. Uh, oh, she would hate that so much. Um, Probably. Well, just pay attention and see if Tuba has a reflection. Um, <laughs> so, I... Uh... I think at least part of the reason we're starting as slow as we are is that we need to empathize with these characters. We're going to be spending a lot of time with them. And if they are pure evil all the time, then, like, it's going to be a bad time, you know? Yeah. 
And while they do a lot of bad things in this episode, it's circled around their characters in a way that's sort of designed to make you feel for them, at least a little bit, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with them. Yeah, like, 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 yeah. like I've said, like, it's like, I can see a scenario where, like, Grace probably at the least, like, learns to slightly be better just by hanging around Hazel and uh, Tuba for the most part. But, like, Simon just kind of reads like the kind of guy who would, like, rather die on his dull, stupid mantra of, like, Fuck the people who are like live on the train. <laughs> <laughs> I I do wanna um how do I put this? Uh Okay. So the thing is, and I don't know why we're doing this, but we have been just really over the top with the likes this episode, so I guess this is the bimbo episode. <laughs> <laughs> There was definitely an instance where I caught myself doing it four times in one sentence. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just don't notice it. I mean, it's similar That's to... That's weirdo's bimbofication arc. It's similar to, like, how so often I catch myself always saying, like, at any rate. <laughs> or regardless, Ding. in terms of, like, going back to... Ding. Fuck. <laughs> going back to myself. <laughs> That's just how people talk. <laughs> That's just how we do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I uh, it's a thing I always used to hate as a kid, but <laughs> I have gotten better about it. So it's still a thing I notice a lot. Is all. Yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> but in any case, I know we have a lot of questions, so we should probably just get to those, right? Unless we don't have anything else yes, to talk about indeed. the episode. Indeed. Uh, no, I don't think we really do. Like. I suppose there's an argument to be made for talking about these guys a little more, but I don't want to, because I think <laughs> they're bad people. Yeah, again, it's like, I, I've been curious about how this season's going to go ever since we, well, ever since you told me that Grace is the main character of this <laughs> season, so it's like, well, I uh, hope she doesn't stay a dickhead for long, because she's a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, I think, how do I... Mm. I think it's going to get a lot more emotionally complex very quickly, if that makes sense. I, I would imagine but that's the, not the same as her not yeah, being a dickhead. I would, I would imagine the inclusion of like a like five or six year old kid probably contributes to that a lot, considering that it's like, like even though they have like young kids in their ranks at the apex, like you know, obviously Grace doesn't really think much of any of them, considering she just like humors them compared yeah. to like you know. They're, the fact that those we, kids are a means to it, yeah. Compared to like how Hazel seems a little bit more, the, like Hazel seems like she has the potential to really like uh, defrost Grace a bit. <laughs> Again, will yeah. will be interesting to see if Simon chills the fuck out, but I don't think Simon has ever been chill in his life. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, in that case, let us go ahead and jump over to the questions. So we have quite a few questions today. We'll start with questions from Aurora Borealis at Casey Cosmos. Uh, what Spider-Man villain would do the best on the Infinity Train? <laughs> uh, I feel like it would have to be like a, like a... It's like obviously one of the like empathetic villains, right? Because it's like it's definitely not somebody who's just a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, like being like, "Yeah, I got superpowers. I'm gonna rob the bank," <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to really think of like Spider-Man villains that are like. I mean, obviously, like you do like feel bad for like Norman Osborn or Otto Octavius when they like realize that they're turned themselves into monsters, even if like 
I mean, again, I'm mostly, again, going based on, like, the old, like, movies I've seen, like, the Tobey Maguire ones, because it's, like, yeah, like, Norman, like, as he's dying, realizes he fucked up, but he really still tries to kill Spider-Man after he, like, tries to pretend, like, he learned the errors of his ways, but, like, I mean, I guess, I guess Otto might do the best, because, like, again, like, he was not really acting out of, like, any sort of, like, intentional villainy, it was Warden, like, the stupid, <laughs> uh, like, uh, mechanical arms on his back that were causing him to do that. Probably not Olivia Octavius, though, because she's kind of just in it for the evil science stuff. <laughs> like, she's not, she's clearly not being controlled by her, uh, like, inflatable, like, tube and tentacles or anything in Spider-Verse. Uh, yeah, that's fair. But uh, probably not, I mean, just from what I've seen of Spot and Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> it depends on, like continuity because of course yeah there's yeah again, different versions yeah of again like character. i'm mostly just pulling from like the toby Maguire movies in, in the spider-verse films obviously because that's the most of the extent of spider-man i've seen uh, uh what do you think uh god i forgot his name the guy who's vulture in like most of the contact like continuity do you think he might do uh, all right adrian tombs not a chance no way no how absolutely I, not i guess um, i was mostly thinking of him being sympathetic in the mcu when it's like he he kind of got just like fucked over by Tony Stark, much like everybody else gets fucked over by Tony Stark. <laughs> like, okay, listen. He cares about his people. You don't think he would do anything? That guy does. That guy does. That is barely Adrian Toomes. I, I, I Adrian Toomes yeah. is a petty, better old man okay. who <laughs> invented a pair of wings and decided to use it for purse snatching. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I guess MCU Toomes, maybe. Regular tombs, no. Because <laughs> again, uh, he just cares yeah, about getting his guys' jobs, and like that means he has empathy for others. <laughs> At any rate, the obvious answer to this of who would do best on the train, Spider-Man villain-wise, is Overdrive, which is a villain who, as far as I know, has never been adapted for anything except maybe the cartoons. I've, yeah, I've and... never even heard of who this guy is. Yeah, like early 2000s, they were coming up with a bunch of new villains to, you know, new era of Spider-Man. We don't want to have the same guys over and over Yeah, because it's like you don't uh, want to just repeat the same dudes all the time. Exactly. Uh, Overdrive has the power to hijack and upgrade any vehicle, so <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't get better on the train, don't get me wrong, but he would create an unstoppable war machine. <laughs> or maybe he just straight up works for one one as I can enforce or making the train better. <laughs> That, no, that's that's not how his power works. He takes control of the vehicle. Oh, I thought okay. one one has no more power here. Oh, okay. I thought you said he just makes it better, and not that he takes full control over it. Well, he does make it better, but that's like a secondary side effect. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> oh, he used to be part of the Sinister Six at some point, huh? <laughs> I mean, everybody used to be part of the Sinister guess, Six I guess. at some point. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, this is. I just dropped a page. This is what he does to a school bus. <laughs> Why, why do they spell school bus like they do in Invader Zim? Because <laughs> it's 2007 and he's edgy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair. <laughs> to be fair, I also don't remember if they call if they spell bus with two s's in Invader Zim. I definitely remember they spell school with a k. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah um, I, I can't uh, really think of any others. Like, I mean, because again, like most of the spider villains are either just like kind of one-off dudes that just are there to get just dunked on by Spider-Man that don't have a lot of personality, uh, or or they're just objectively shitty people. <laughs> <laughs> That's like 
kind of the thing, though. It's Spider-Man tends to fall into the same category as Batman in that a lot of his villains are pretty sympathetic good guys. That's why so many of them bounce back and forth across the evil spectrum. It's just that yeah. a lot of them have unaddressed mental health issues that are constantly exacerbated by being trapped in a rhino suit for the rest of your life or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Or falling into, like, a vat of eels, if that's what shock... Is that Shocker, or is that a different guy? Uh, that would be Electro, specifically in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay, okay. Again, to be fair, I never saw that one, so I didn't know if that was all of Electro's origins. Also, why does, why are there two different Spider-Man villains? One's called Electro, and one's called Shocker. <laughs> Uh, well, you see, the way Shocker works is he doesn't do electricity. Right, he's Shockwaves, right, yeah, I remember, yeah, he's yeah. he's a very minor villain in uh, the 2018 game, right? I guess also, <laughs> do we count, Black, Black Cat doesn't count there, right? Because she's really not a villain, she's like an anti-hero kind of person, sort of? Uh, again, goes both ways. Yeah, because like, I mostly know that she mostly just usually hangs around Spider-Man and helps him and sometimes makes out with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's reasonable, um... No, no, she does a lot of crimes. She's very much a Catwoman knockoff. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> when Catwoman takes hard villain turns, uh, Felicia tends to also. Baby. Uh, yeah. Um, Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative would rule the train with an iron fist. Yeah. I don't think he would ever escape, but... <laughs> Probably not. I mean, we could, like... His whole thing is that he inverts people. He could just turn all the denizens into an unstoppable death army. <laughs> um, we hate it when people grow up. We want to make them worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's still so weird just how like they went with like kind of an interesting villain for the 2018 game, and meanwhile they're going with like one of the stupidest premises for like overall villain for the 2023 game. <laughs> hmm? You know, because, like, you had Mr. Negative as, like, the... Well, I guess Mr. Negative was, like, actually sort of the... Spoiler for the 2018 Spider-Man game, I guess. Uh, like, kind of ends up being the side villain to Otto. Because Otto's, like, becomes the main villain near the end of the game kind of deal. But it's, like, they're going with Craven of all guys, for the 2023 yeah. game, unless they... I mean, I guess it's, like, also Venom might become... I think... Oh, wait, did they actually... I think there was a trailer where maybe they teased Carnage, but it's, like, I mean, Spider... Like, main Peter Parker Spider-Man is, like, infected by the Venom symbiote in this one. So it might be also Venom, yeah. but it's, like, you've done Venom so many times, and, like, who cares about Craven? <laughs> this dude who's just, like, a military guy who wants to kill, like, supervillains and stuff? Who cares about that dude? <laughs> like... Craven is one of the most compelling Spider-Man villains there has ever been. There's a okay. reason he's the first guy to succeed at killing Spider-Man. Okay, I guess for just from like that trailer they put out like last week or whatever during the Sony thing, he just looks so dull. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was it's definitely more a case of like it's like oh, it's one of these kind of guys, like a lot of like Batman villain kind of cut from that cloth of like the Arkham games, I guess. But it's like when I played the 2018 game and they teased Mr. Negative, I was like, who the fuck is Mr. Negative? That's a weird pull. I've never heard of him. Just like how I never heard of Spot until Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, if nothing else, superhero media has a great way of digging up villains that no one used to care about. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Craven's great. He he shoots lasers out of his nipples. Uh, it doesn't look like this Craven might be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Craven just says happy pride Spider-Man and shoots him with a rainbow laser out of his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it's like August and not actually, uh, <laughs> not actually June. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, they didn't show this guy do that in the trailer at all. I don't think he's going to do that in the game. <laughs> well, that's a disgrace. Uh, also, in recent years, he's been, um, like, immortal. And that's really been interesting to watch, because his whole thing is, like, predation and the natural cycle of life, and the fact that he's been removed from that really messes him up. It's fascinating. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> we got off on Spider-Man. I didn't even know Craven um, was spelled with a K. <laughs> I thought it was spelled with a Z. I'm, yeah. I, <laughs> I guess they don't want to go with the actual literal word Craven, because he's, like, some, like, Murder dude. I mean, his name is Sergei Kravinov, so... Okay, that, that's why it would be spelled okay, I guess. Yeah, this guy is, uh... He's a relic of the all-villains-have-to-be-Russian era, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Considering his design in the 2013 game is like... Or 2023 game is like, this dude is super Russian, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... At this point, I think all of the Russian Spider-Man villains are more or less related to each other, so they've really zoomed in on that, but... <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so we got distracted by Spider-Man. Uh, Aurora's second question, which is the cooler wave, sine or cosine? I guess sine, just because cosine feels like it's like playing second fiddle to sine. Uh, the thing is, is that, like, they look the same? So it's hard to say which That's is That's the thing. Like the, yeah, they are basically like the same wavelength. It's just one's moved over to the side a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm always going to vote for cosine because I'm always going to vote for the person who moved over to the side a little bit. But <laughs> it's well, I mean, I, I mean, it's moved over to it's moved over to the right though in the picture. Oh well. So <laughs> I don't think you can sign with cosine then if it's going towards the right. <laughs> I suppose that's a point. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so to answer your question, cosine is fascist. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the way no, you were expecting this wave to go. Is fascist. <laughs> we saw that episode. <laughs> well, um, and uh, next, uh, Aurora asks, uh, favorite member of the Kong family? I'm going to have to lean on you for this one. I only know the one. Uh, well, that's to be fair. I mean, most of the you know, most of the Kong family kind of sucks because, like, I mean, most of them were well, made up for one game and then never brought back. <laughs> I guess I know two. I forgot that Diddy existed. Yeah, I mean, you you probably know Dixie, right? Because he was the first female Kong that they had. I think she was introduced in, Diddy, in Donkey Kong Country Two. So I, I, uh, I know who was in Smash Bros. Okay, that yeah, DK and Donkey <laughs> or Diddy. Because like, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe two uh, Donkey Country two. I think was you playing as Diddy and Dixie to try to rescue Donkey Kong, and then I think you had to rescue Diddy in the third because it was Dixie and some Kong that never showed up again, whose name I'm no, not definitely not doing a blank on. Uh, definitely doing it you know what? I know another one. I know a third Kong, <laughs> and it's going to be my answer. My answer is uh, Donkey Kong's dad, who Mario murdered. Oh, so the so actually the original Donkey Kong, because like the, uh, yes. those movie those games actually like basically confirmed that DK, as we know him, is actually DK Junior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I just don't want to go with, like, the obvious answer of Lanky Kong from Donkey Kong 64, because Donkey Kong 64 fucking sucks. <laughs> and made, had to arbitrarily make three more members of the DK crew who never existed since or before, because they were like, we need to have a variety of different ways that you play, even though they're all kind of the fucking same. It's just that one person can shrink, and one can walk up steep cliffs, and one gets big and strong, and the other has a jetpack, which is why Diddy Kong has a jetpack now, ever since DK64. <laughs> uh, actually, no, 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 the real answer here is Funky Kong, because Funky Kong is funky as fuck. <laughs> he, has a surf, uh, he, has, sure. he has a surfboard, he's easy mode, and tropical freeze, when they pour that over to the Switch. He's funky. He's, he's the right answer. I'll take your word for it. It's you don't, just another word that rhymes you, with monkey. You don't remember all the uh, like the memes about like now with Funky Kong, like the whole like uh, in the same line of like starring uh, Dante from Devil May Cry on sticker box art that people were making a few years ago. No, huh, that that was all over the place of like now with Funky Kong. <laughs> I'm surprised you never heard of that. Your experiences are not universal. I, I guess, but you're on the other side with me. I, that's how I've seen it. I've never played Trop. I, I never played Donkey Kong Country Returns nor Tropical Freeze. <laughs> to be fair, I only ever played like the first Donkey Kong Country in '64. I've never played any other DK game because they usually. Oh no, no, that's not true. I played Donkey Konga a little bit, and Donkey Konga also fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them were just bad. It's like better platformers. Six. I, I know people say Tropical Freeze and Returns are good though. I just never played them myself because it's like, yeah, I kind of don't just need like another 2D platform or DK game. <laughs> All right. Um, and from M Healy at M of Healy on Twitter, uh, what are your spider sonas? <laughs> this, is, this is getting way more complicated than I thought. <laughs> Oh, is it? Hmm? I mean, You're talking about Spider-Man again. Hmm? I get back in my fields. Look, I mean, obviously, it's the spider suit that's the non-binary color. Is I mean, that's a given, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess yeah. it's like. Well, I guess the the question there really becomes: Would they be called Spider Envy or Spider Trans? <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're limiting yourself a little bit there. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I mean, Spider Trans sounds, I guess, better overall, even if it wouldn't have the trans colors on it, just because, like, Spider Trans at least kind of rhymes a little bit with Spider Man or Spider Woman. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't love the. How do I put this? Mm. I don't like the way the non-binary flag colors look in a lot of other configurations. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like it would be very hard to make a good-looking spider suit with those colors. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, even even when I, like, after I found Hero Forge and I went back and designed some of my older characters in it, like, when I was trying to design uh, Kino's, like, robot horse suit, it was, like, it was kind of tough because it's like, well, actually, that was, to be fair, also before I really knew how to really get integrate with colors in Hero Forge. But even then, it's like, there's so many sections in this where it's like, this part is, like, the same color overall, and it's like, I guess most of the suit is white. I mean, I described it as much, and it had, like, some yellow, black, and yellow, uh, purple pieces on it anyway, but it's like, it was still a little bit hard to try to reflect that in there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, I guess it's like one of, I guess either, like, yellow or purple would just be, like, the spider logo, right? Because similar to, like, the white spider suit, where it's, like, the black white and red are like most parts of the suit but the only part that's i guess it also has like some like white padding on like the hands and feet but like for the most part the only white part is the spider logo 
Uh, I'm not sure what suit you're thinking of. That, Most of the time, the only white part is the eyes. The, the 2018 design for the game. Oh, well, that, I mean, that's... that's not I, actually, I, for, I forget. Does he actually have, like, white webbing in that suit as well? I, hmm. I'm trying to look it up. I just don't like that suit. It's okay. No, he yeah he got, he, he has like some highlights on his hands and feet, but it's like mostly it's this the spider logo. Yeah, the the webbing is still black as well. <laughs> I still have questions it's... about how he's in the Spider Force, <laughs> considering he's from a video game. <laughs> well, I guess it's... he's also from an alternate universe. I guess <laughs> the game is. I don't know. It's weird. I have questions about stuff. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's super common for stuff like this, you know? He's been in three different multiverse crossovers, and none of them are canon to the others. Okay, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess he was uh, He was in, like, the actual, like, Spider-Verse comics, right? Uh, Spider-Geddon, specifically. Oh, uh, Spider-Geddon, okay, right. Because they just can't stop going back to that well, because the first one was good. <laughs> I mean, hey, to be fair, they've proven that you can also do a good in mo two movies now. Presumably a third next year. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is that the comics are not that. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine just the avenue of like either book or like well, comic or movie. It's also very different. Yeah, and it's like because the comics have such a wide variety of stuff to pull from. And because of the way comics work, instead of allowing it to be, like, a very personal story about one Spider-Man, they always have to be a huge, enormous threat. And for all three of the big Spider-Crossover events, it's been the same people, and it's like, there's five of those guys, and we've seen them killed 15 times apiece. They're not a threat anymore. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it gets just get a little bit goofy if you just go back to the same group of dudes. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would have been yeah. very goofy if, like, they were like, oh, Kingpin's back doing stuff intentionally in Across the Spider-Verse, even though it's, like, technically he's responsible for the events of Across the Spider-Verse in a different way. But it's like, he's not there <laughs> active being like, Spider-Man, I'm back to get you, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, my Spider-Son's name is Orb Weaver, so there. Uh, um, but yes, uh, that will bring us to our final question today, uh, on the subject of assholes on a long but distinctly not infinity train, would the cast of book three eat a baby? And the answer is yes, mostly. Uh, I feel like it's kind of up to debate, because I don't think they would eat a human baby, because, again, they see humans as being way superior to denizens. I fully believe that Simon and Grace would eat a baby. No, Grace would be like hesitant she wouldn't want to do it but because we are discussing a different train here we're talking about um snowpiercer so we're basically having them be crossed over into snowpiercer instead of actually on the context of the infinity train where they find the baby <laughs> i'm just saying like grace would be hesitant but if we are assuming Snowpiercer conditions, she would do it, because you eat babies to survive in Snowpiercer. It's not, like, yeah. a thing you just do. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's, like, even a case of, like, I didn't remember fully, because it's, like, wait, I don't remember them talking about eating a baby, but it's, like, oh, right, and then M explained, and it's, like, oh, yeah, it's Chris Evans' character, and it's, like, oh, right, he almost ate the person who later became his bud. 
and he's describing that like right after his buddy had died. <laughs> to be fair, like most of their crew die in that movie, including himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the now, point. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, uh, Tuba and Hazel would not eat a baby, but I believe that Simon not only would eat a baby, but if there wasn't one present, he would go find one to eat. <laughs> Just scours the entire train. He's not trying to get better conditions for everybody else on the train. He's just trying. He's just being like, "Look, I just gotta find somebody who has a kid who's left unattended. <laughs> just, just don't, just don't worry about it. I just, I need to borrow this kid for a moment." <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that is all of our questions for today. So I think that'll probably lead us into trivia. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I honestly don't have a whole lot of it, but, you know, just kind of goes that way sometimes. Uh, yeah, but we have some new characters introduced, and Hazel's voice actress is Isabella Abiera, is that right, I believe her name, her last name is pronounced? Uh, she- sounds, hmm? Yeah, it sounds, yeah, I think that's probably it. I, I believe so, I yeah. Yeah, the problem is that she, like, she's really only had, like, bit roles in other, like, media since 2017, because she's a child actress. So she's not been in a whole lot. <laughs> like, she's had some uh, background voices in Ray and the Last Dragon, and also plays apparently the character Gertie in Monsters at Work, which, again, I don't know why they made more Monsters, Inc. prequels when you don't need that. <laughs> but People like Monsters, Inc. Yeah, but it's like, again, you don't, you really don't need to make more, <laughs> especially when it's like, you really did not need Monsters University, like, at all, at all. <laughs> I guess if you want to explore their time at Monsters, Inc. before it all tips up, then sure, I guess, but eh, I don't know. I've heard, like, nearly nothing about Monsters at Work. But yeah, she's just really not been in anything because she's still a kid. She's not She's not that old. I, I couldn't find exactly, but she looked like she was, like, maybe, like, early teenager now at this point, so definitely not really been around to, like, actually be in a lot of media. This is her biggest yeah, role, basically. Well, I mean, this season would have only been three years ago, so... Yeah, like, this was basically her biggest role so far, and then basically got to be background characters and other stuff. Uh, the Tuba's VA is Diane Delano, who is way more prolific. She has played Sergeant Barbara Szymanski in Northern Exposure, Roberta Glass in Popular, Pantha in Teen Titans. I don't think, like, more current Teen Titans. I think, like, original cartoon Teen Titans, like from like the early 2000s, I think, somewhere around there. Uh, Hilda Van Benno in Days of Our Lives, and Sergeant Hilda, Hilde? Hilde, I, Hilde, I think, uh, Smidendorf in Dead Rising 3, of all things. Not many video game <laughs> credits, but I saw that one, I was like, where weird, she's been in Dead Rising 3, huh? A game I feel like nobody played, because it was like that whole gritty take on Dead Rising for the Xbox One launch, <laughs> that nobody liked. <laughs> Oh yeah, she's in a lot of other stuff, but those are like the major ones I saw that I recognized. Uh, <laughs> the other few, few things I have are just pretty minor. The shot of Grace on her throne at the start of episode one is intentionally modeled after the Iron Throne in general from Game of Thrones, which is fitting just because Amelia's voice actress is Cersei Lannister from that show. So another Game of Thrones reference, <laughs> I guess, in this. Uh, a kid in the shot of, like, Simon and Grace going down the escalator resembles Rufio from the 91 film Hook. I did not see this yeah, kid because tracks. I've never actually seen Hook, but I didn't recognize it. I just saw that this was a bit of trivia. <laughs> I mean, once you've seen Rufio, it's pretty obvious. Okay. <laughs> I've heard the name Rufio, because, like, that that's a character that people pronounce the name, like, Rufio in that movie, right? 
I think. Uh, yes, but also, uh, hmm, how do I? Hmm, I've said how do I put this a lot in this episode too. There's something <laughs> weird happening here. Uh, to be fair, there's been thing a few is, things is that have been. He's hot, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, got. Alright, let's see. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the musical "Empathy Goes" is apparently a reference to the actual musical "Anything Goes." I think the lyrics are really changed, but it's mostly the title that's the reference, but close enough. Uh, the eyepatch kid, Lucy, is the one that was mentioned before, back when we first met Grace and Simon in the mall car, is the one who, uh, you know, they get the forewarning to uh, Jesse to not point the harpoon launcher in your towards your face. She put her eye out, I guess. She's not dead. <laughs> Uh, I already covered how the president of the corgis in the unfinished car shows that Atticus may get on his promise. Uh, the only oh, yeah. yeah, the only thing I have here is that the jungle car is the same car that Tulip is seen entering in the poster for book one, but obviously we don't know whether or not she actually visited that car in particular, since it wasn't covered in the show and she didn't mention that at some point. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty minor trivia, not a whole lot, but that's like. I feel like you get a lot more than that when you're introduced to brand new characters at the start of a season, compared to like how we already yeah. knew Simon and Grace, so we already covered them, and we already kind of knew their whole deal, so yeah, just not as enough, but I feel like there'll be at least be more interesting things as time goes on with this group of two assholes and two good people. Absolutely. So, that will bring us to one final thing that we want to cover before the episode ends, because I skipped a question earlier, and I skipped it on purpose. Because Aurora Borealis, uh, absolute champion uh, <laughs> Aurora Borealis, asked uh, if we were going to keep a kill count for these losers like we do for the uh, Animorphs on our other show, uh, The X-Files. And the answer is yes. Yes, we absolutely are. So, uh, as of these two episodes, uh, do you want to guess who's in first place? <laughs> hmm. Let's see. Kind of remember back at the scene when they're at the musical car, because I want to say Grace because I feel like Simon's more all talk than action. I feel <laughs> that's an interesting perspective because it's definitely Simon is winning. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Again, I was, try- I, was trying to, I was trying to think yeah. during their like kind of flirting scene of like how many people they were breaking in the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grace only has one on-screen kill, and that is like a playbook who's running past, and then she pushes him into the fire. Um, oh, right, she like grips his pages out, right? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there is another thing, like a standing stage lamp who runs past, and she trips it and breaks the lamp, but it doesn't die. The kid pulls its head off and takes it back to the other car to present mm-hmm. later. So I guess you could call that a point five, but I don't because they kept the lamp alive and just mounted it in Simon's room. So she's only sitting at one, whereas Simon bashed in three of those lights with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they evil. They bad. They bad. <laughs> they do a bunch of murders. They sure do. And again, I'm still curious to see where this goes because it's like. I feel like they could only try to get away with enough bullshit in the presence of Tuba and Hazel before Hazel either splits off from them or just Tuba beats shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. 
can only push a giant gorilla so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, considering... And usually it's not very far at all, because giant gorillas are really big and heavy. Yeah. But considering how close uh, Tuba has already come to trying to beat the shit out of Simon, uh, just in the first five minutes of knowing him, probably not going to take a whole lot more to set her off. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was a lot, I'd say. Mm -hmm. We don't usually see unmitigated displays of extreme violence like that on this show, but she definitely did pick up a rock and was about to bash his head in. Yep. <laughs> and I don't think she would have felt regret like Lick did. <laughs> no. I mean, to be fair, like, we have seen at least, like, some, like, violence on screen in this show before. I mean, we did literally see Amelia pick up Atticus and shoot him point fucking blank. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I true. mean, we saw we saw like a silhouette of it, but we definitely saw her holding him up with the gun pointed to him. We just didn't see, like, we only saw the shadow of her pull the trigger and him get yeah. shot. But still, the implication is there. <laughs> the intent is clearly shown of shoot this that dog. Is, yeah, I guess what I mean is like so much of the action, violence, whatever you want to call it, that happens on this show is kind of uh, softened, for lack of a better word. <laughs> uh, I mean, we talked about it a lot in the last episode with um, with season two, how uh, Siv was specifically not murdering Jesse, even though he could have killed him at any second. He still threw him into a fucking glass wall, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, with enough force to crack the glass wall and cause Jesse to be knocked the fuck out for a few seconds. <laughs> and it's it's funny that you say that like usually the violence has been subdued and it's like we still definitely saw Lake push mates into the wheel well and watch that man turn in the goop in front of our eyes. Yeah, that's that's what I'm screaming. saying. Like that and this, I feel, are the only things we've seen in the show that are on this level of brutality. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, okay, sure, we've done twenty two episodes so far, but like you know what I'm saying? It's not the general feel of the show. Yeah. So like yeah, when it was... when it happens, it's intentionally like oh fuck kind of deal. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um. So with that, I think we're pretty much done for the day. So if you have enjoyed this uh, like fest. You can catch me on Twitter <laughs> at patch underscore jacket for as long as Twitter continues to. Uh, not kick me off, I guess. Function. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm on co-host at Nobody, which I had some trouble with, but I'm back in. Don't worry about it. We're yeah, all it good. Was, it was a bit goofy how you were like, uh, I'm trying to get back on my co-host people, and you're like, I think I might be fucking locked out, and you're like, oh wait, I use a different email, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> kind of becomes a problem. Uh, I mean, I have basically, like, essentially four emails if you include the email for the podcast. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Which I mean, really I only use. have two, but the real problem is is that one of them I've been using since I was 12, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to migrate away from yeah, it, so it's, it's like... It's just kind of hard <laughs> to do that at times, of like trying to be like, alright, you gotta update stuff, and then it's like, uh, do I really want to move stuff entirely? Yeah. Okay, like and I, I do, I just... It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, fortunately, I don't, I don't, like, I got everything migrated over already back way long ago, so it's like, I don't deal with my dead name email anymore. And haven't mm -hmm. for a long yep. time, but uh, yeah. I mean, most most things I still actually just straight up have under like a like variation of like a Chloe email. And it's like yeah, just me. Like yeah, I still got it on my phone anyway. So it doesn't matter. It's fine. 
Yeah. I don't I don't mind uh, if I have those under that name, considering I liked that name for a while before I went to Vivian. <laughs> and uh, I'm also on several streaming shows at twitch.tv slash the transverse. I'm usually on the first and fourth Saturdays of the month, sometimes the fifth, if they need a bonus person. Uh, I am also on a YouTube series through the transverse, uh, Vigilantes Union Local 13. It's a very cool actual play series using the Marvel superhero adventure game in which uh, it's, you know, the, the, the formation of a union for organized superheroism in a city that is hostile to that. It's, it's rad. Very salient to uh, modern times, except with uh, trans robots that have super anxiety. <laughs> And I'm still just at the underscore Livian on Twitter again for however long uh, Twitter doesn't kick us off or blow itself up because Elamas blows up everything he touches. And also <laughs> just at Oblivion on co-host again. I I always say I should actually get that login working again. I just forgot what the password is. It's not like it's busted or anything. I just need to remember and actually use it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not really on anything else. Just do those. <laughs> not anything else in particular, really. Nothing but the X Files, which y'all should listen to. It's a great time. I mean, if you're going to include the Patreon, then I feel like you include everything with the Patreon, which I am. I do technically have a YouTube channel, even if it's on private, just for the people that signed up for the Patreon at the five dollar tier. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I think we're good for today. In which case, I say there's not much left to say. But remember, yes, us we weirdos have to stick, have to stick together. together. Bye. Bye.